Franklin. Hey. Dude, thanks for coming on the show, man. Absolutely. So, uh... A lot of people know you from our social circles. I'm not allowed to say your last name, so I'm not going to say your last name. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, you know, I've had this podcast for since October of last year, and it's funny. You've always been one of those guys. I'm like, I wonder if, if, if he'd be willing to come on the show because you're very interesting to talk to. Like, you have a, a, a different perspective than me on a lot of things, which I think is good for me so I can I can bounce things off of you and we right. have a lot of fun. It's kind of cool because... You know, you and your wife and my and my wife really connected uh, with the four of us as couples ever since, I don't remember, when did we start hanging out? God, it was pre-COVID. Because um, we live like an hour from each other, but yeah. we at least try and hang out at least once a month, Probably which is cool. A little over a year we've been hang- cool. actually hanging out, even though we've known each other for damn near five. Yeah. But, uh, you know, bring that, you can put it here, and then you can join the conversation. If you want. If you want. It's up to you. Wife, we'll just call you wife. Wife. Roommate. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the, the wedding I wasn't invited to, that one. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it's okay. Our friendship started blooming after it. So it's a hundred percent. It a hundred percent. Like, but you know, I mean, we're, I mean, we're going to get into it. Part of, you know, being in this religion, being in Jehovah's Witness, you can't hang out with people outside of that. So mm. I didn't hang out with people. Like it was just, that was it. It was and it's not like I ever told people no. I just made sure I didn't put myself in a position to get invited anywhere. Hmm. Like you just have to stay away from that social circle. Well, that's a perfect intro because we initially wanted to talk about your experience in the Jehovah's Witness mm-hmm. uh, religion or cult or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> we'll go cult. <laughs> okay, so cult. Uh, we man, we've talked a lot about your history, how you've come to where you are today. Um, start me at the beginning. With specifically with Jehovah's Witness, um, it's a family thing. You grew up in it, right? Right. Tell me all about that. My my parents they did not grow up Jehovah's Witness. Um, oh, I don't know. Just hit the mic. Um, it's all right. It's a better mic. <laughs> there you go. I mean, um, I'm so glad I put money into these mics. It makes life so much easier, specifically for this podcast. Yeah, because you hit all the entire time. Big, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, my parents. My dad grew up Baptist. My mom grew up Catholic. Um, it was. I know that. Oh yeah, yeah. And then went to JW. Well, long story okay. short. Um, no, go, let's go long story long. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, they grew up in it. My dad was never really big into religion. He, I, to be honest with you, I don't think he really still is, but like he's part of it. Um, my mom, on the other hand, she's always been that type to look for something bigger. She's always looked for that higher power. She didn't agree with Catholicism, but that's what she grew up doing. Um, after she moved out, she kind of like started looking for other religions and then Jehovah's Witnesses went to her door. And hmm. uh, then it just started happening. I was. They actually converted somebody. They actually converted my mom. <laughs> what? Yeah, and my dad what? was a hundred and ten percent against it. Like we were, I was probably like two or three when my mom started studying with them. Um, but my dad would like pull the spark plugs out of her car to make sure she wouldn't go to meetings. What? Like he was a hundred and ten percent against it. What? What was the, what was the thing that hooked her? Um, for her, what she told us as kids is the unity what brings everyone together um it's not like she said in the catholic church it was a it was either mexicans or the white if there were white people they were on one side of the you know uh pews like it wasn't a lot of inner interracialness happening she said as Jehovah's witnesses when she went to the church or they called the kingdom hall um when she would go to the meetings and um like go there there would be so many races and that hmm. was like mind-blowing to her Everyone had a happy face. Everyone's smiling. It's 
very nice people. If you go in there, like they'll greet you like with kindness, but that's just what she clung to. It so, was a, so unity was what she was looking at was uh, specifically the color of skin. Yeah, diversity. diversity. Diver- yeah, it was it was so diverse for her that that was a big thing for her because her being Mexican, she just I don't know now, was that just stood out to her. Different within cities because like where was the Catholic Church? Uh, well, she went when she actually went to Catholic Church. It was like in a very small town, like a very small town, and it is mostly Mexican populated okay. in Texas. So okay. like, huh? There's yeah, it's called Kennedy, Texas. Like nobody's heard of it. Huh. I haven't. Yeah, exactly. So my parents moved to another hall um, closer to where they lived um and from then on they stayed in that area so like whenever me and my sister grew up we stayed in that area we went to that same congregation for essentially our whole life which was for me my sister was technically they call it being born in the truth and that's whenever you're born and your parents are already Jehovah's Witness and so like she was born in the truth quote unquote Hmm. um and that was early 90s and so we've we've been going to the same essential kingdom hall for 18 to 20 years so born in the truth break that down for me so Jehovah's Witnesses say that they have the true religion the one true religion the one which every religion says that yeah Yeah. but Jehovah's Witnesses think they really do and so um they call it the truth and what specifically about is like true like the different that makes them the one true religion um, the biggest thing that separates them is because they, they do say that they are a sect of Christianity. Um, the biggest thing that separates them is that like they believe that only 144,000 selected people will go to heaven. And everyone else um, either dies in Armageddon or you get uh, resurrected into essentially the same paradise as like the beginning of the Bible where Adam and Eve were. And so that's the biggest difference that they, they make known. And then you, you learn more down the road. Like there are a lot more differences, how they view the Trinity or lack of viewing of the Trinity. Um, there's just so many differences later down the road, but that's what they really focus on. Is, the, specifically the 144. Yeah, specifically the 144,000 that go to heaven. And uh-huh. then you have a chance to essentially live forever on a paradise. Like that's like, hmm. you know, that's that's the heaven that you're promised. Because that, you're not that 144,000 is a scripture that's in the Bible, right? Mm, in Revelation. In Revelation. I, don't, I don't know the exact scripture. I think it's in Revelation 21, though. Huh. Um, and then can you Google that? Yeah. Yeah, Google that real quick. Um, but I'm like, curious. I know... One, the only scripture I, I remember is uh, Revelation 21, 4, and it says, like, he will wipe out every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Neither will mourning nor outcry nor pain be anymore. The former things have passed away. And essentially, that was um, them saying, like, that is the paradise. Like, no pain, no death, no suffering. Like, you're going to live forever on paradise. And so that was the biggest thing. It's popping. I, I heard yeah. it. I heard it. Oh, we got a KJV. Let's go NIV. <laughs> You messed that up. Yeah, I see. Not as good as Joe Rogan Cooper. Huh? So they're not as good as Joe Rogan Cooper. Jamie. 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 Yes. Thanks again for having me. Dude, I've been looking forward to this for a minute. Okay, so Revelation 7, start at verse 3, says, Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed were 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. 
and then goes through the different tribes. Mm-hmm. So 12,000 from each tribe. So 12 times 12. Okay. Yeah. And essentially, like, there's another scripture that says, like, uh, a number that no man could number. And then eventually it was 140. Like, you keep reading, it's 144,000 was the number that's mentioned. So do they not think that there was already 144,000 that it might already be in heaven? No. So wh- what the Jehovah's Witnesses start doing, this pretty much got all started in 1914, whenever... We call him brother. They call him brother Rutherford. I believe his name was J.R. Rutherford. Um, He's the one that kind of like started the religion. Like he's the translator of um, the original Hebrew Bible and translated into the um, New World Translation, which is the Bible Jehovah's Witnesses use. Huh. Um, I forgot my thought. Uh, Brother Rutherford. Yes. So um, after he did that, uh, what they started doing was keep they pretty much told people that you you'll have you'll know that you're gonna be a one of the 144,000 like you'll some higher being will tell you like there's nothing specific there's nothing concrete you just know if you're part of it what the hell does that mean exactly it's vague and so um with that said that's when they started keeping track of the people who knew so like you know uh christians have easter Jehovah's witnesses have the memorial of jesus christ what they do is they pass um, a glass of red wine and um, unfermented bread. And if you were chosen and you know you're chosen, you may partake in that. Otherwise, you don't. You just pass it on to the next person. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so break that down for me. So like, when, you're, when you're inside that, that room and they're the, the kingdom, the kingdom hall, hall mm-hmm. and there's how many people in the congregation? Uh, on Memorial Day, there's... Memorial Usually, Day? Or Memorial. Sorry, not Memorial Day. During y'all's Easter, okay. Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, so, because Easter for the Christian for Christians are, uh, it's it, all about the resurrection, right? Yeah. So, is, is that equivalent? It's equivalent to Jesus' death. And so, like, okay. when he was resurrected from, um, to go to heaven, essentially. Okay. So, during that time, there's a, a process that they send the bread. The, it's basically communion. A communion. Right? Yeah, okay. essentially. And you can only eat it if you've been told that there's 144,000. You're one of the 144,000. Yeah, and you're not specifically <clears throat> told. You just, quote unquote, no. So is there like some sort of like uh, like social pressure where like if you, um, you almost like want to eat know, it? I know one person that, because you don't want to eat it because then that brings a lot of attention on you too. Okay. Because like everyone's watching because nobody eats it. And so like you're always looking for the one person. Like there was one. We, so men are called brothers. Women are called sisters. There was one sister in the congregation that ate it consistently. And she was like in the, her 60s, 70s year, year old and like ate it religiously. Huh. Um, I knew and one she's guy, the only one? She was the only one. And how big is that? Like a couple hundred people? On During the memorial, we'd have roughly 100 to 200 people okay. in the congregation. Just on a normal meeting day, 30 to 60. Yeah. Everyone feels guilty around Easter, you know? How does it ever religion man? <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, I, but I did know one guy who partook, and then, like, he pretty much said that he just regretted it. He said, I, I don't think I'm chosen. And, like, that was it. Like, so I don't... So is there any consequence? No. No. It's just... Just but like, but they do. God. <laughs> now I remember where I was going with this. So they, ever since they started doing that, they keep track of how many people actually partake, huh. and so that gives you a rough estimate of how many people are out there that are going to go to heaven. But over the thousands of years that this religion—well, it started in 1914, so it's not thousands. 
Oh my God, my my mind is blown. <laughs> so was there no Jehovah's Witness before 1914? No. So, but that still means if they do believe in the scripture that was created thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. that the 144,000 would still need to be taking place. Right? Right, exactly. So there's a loophole. There's a lot of loopholes. Yeah, well, You'll find that out. There's a lot of loopholes. So how do they like, get past that though? Nobody questions it. That's the weird thing. You don't question it. Like... Like whenever you have a question, they tell you to do research, but they strongly advise against researching outside of anything that the Watchtower and Track Society give you, which is okay, their. So what's that? That is their publications. They have a. They used to have a the branch in, in in a Bethel, New York, and that's what they call it, Bethel, and that's where they just published all the literature, and it was called the Watchtower and Track Society. And so you can do all the research you want within those books. So how did they get started? Uh, the Watchtower. What? No idea. Can you Probably. Google that? How did the Watchtower get started? What? Say that again. Oh yeah, yeah. So like, um, you get. I'm trying to think. Talking about. Oh yeah, if you had questions, you go through the publications that you know they provide, but they strongly advise you going uh, against it because of the fact that it will. They they tell you it's more than likely. Um, pagan material to turn your faith wait so so or researching material like researching anything outside of the Jehovah's the watchtower stuff yeah is strongly advised against because it is considered apostate or pagan material to turn your faith they're like everyone out there is and what Jehovah's Witnesses call literally everyone else is the world those worldly people or like don't use worldly material to like do your research because it's lies like huh. we only have the truth. And so you use watch. They have watchtower and awake, which are just the pamphlets that they pass out whenever they go to yeah. the door. I'll talk to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we actually have like books. Like they have books on books on books that you can go through, but it's literally just their literature. Huh? It sounds like the vaccine industry. <laughs> a little bit. It's terrible. It's also it's called propaganda, bro. <laughs> Welcome to every uh, source of power. Um, so... So this is, I know it's Wikipedia, but here's a little history of Jehovah's Witnesses, hang on. This says it was uh, originally in the 1870s. Watchtower? This says Jehovah's Witnesses were originated as a branch of the Bible student movement, which developed in the United States in the 1870s among followers of the Christian restorationist minister Charles Taze Russell. Russell? Oh, yeah. Russell. So Russell. Yeah, he was the original person. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, so who, who was the next guy then? Rutherford was... Sorry. Rutherford was... Like was um, yeah, he was just a brother, but he was a big part of the... He had a lot to do with what happened in 1914, and now I'm, now I'm blanking because I thought I knew. Uh, no, it's, it's fine. I'm just kind of curious. I can cut that a little bit too. Mark? I thought he had a big part. I think he may have been. I think Brother Rutherford was. The movement split into several rival organizations after Russell's death in 1916, with one led by Joseph Judge Rutherford. There it is. Retaining control of the Watchtower and the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society of Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So there was actually a completely different Jehovah's Witness back in the late 1800s. Okay. So So we don't. I didn't know that. So 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 prior to 1914. Is that kind of like in the, in the, I'm assuming because that was a completely different branch, 
nobody wanted to talk about it because it was on, it was it was pagan or it wasn't right. And well, and so nineteen fourteen is related to one of the wars. I believe it was World War Two. Maybe is that the? Let's see. Let's keep reading real quick. I'll just give. I'll get to the late because that that had a lot to do with like that was whenever um, they believe that. Oh, uh, like, here it is. So. Yeah. Under Rutherford's direction, the International Bible Students Association introduced significant doctrinal changes um, that resulted in many long-term members leaving the organization. And the group regrew rapidly, particularly in the mid-1930s, with the introduction of new preaching methods. In 1931, the name Jehovah's Witnesses was adopted, further cutting ties with Russell's earlier followers. Huh. So y'all don't even y'all had no idea that that was even a thing well, prior to that. I did. Oh yeah, they didn't. Yeah, Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Prior to the nineteen, prior to Rutherford. Yeah. Because from what you're saying is Rutherford is the. I, I've heard of should, Russell. Should I just kind of forgot about it. To be completely honest with you, it's been so yeah. long since I've even. But it, it, it for me it's it. interesting, like just the 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 psyche, the history of, behind yeah, it. Like like Russell is a footnote of exactly. the true story mm-hmm. with Rutherford being the founder of JW. Pretty exactly. Much. Modern day JW. Modern day JW, which mm-hmm. only was 50 years prior. Yeah, exactly. So 50 years prior, you're looking at the origination of a biblical doctrine. A sect of Christianity. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So from what you know, did it become more radical or was um, it more- It was a lot more uh, radical in the sense of like a lot more rules. Okay. Around that time, that's whenever they uh, announced that like smoking was frowned upon in the Bible. So in the like 1930s or during Rutherford times? during Rutherford times. This okay. is whenever they, or maybe it was a little bit later, but they started becoming more like strict on their rules. Oh, and when was the, when was the, uh, the ban on alcohol? That was around that time, wasn't it? There's no, there the, is no ban on alcohol. No, not, not in JW, but in America. Oh, oh okay. I'm what not. is that called? Prohibition. Prohibition, Prohibition was, was early 1900s. Yeah. So that's actually kind of coincides. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I never thought about that. Prohibition and new rules in the JW movement. Right. Thank you, Jamie. What is, what is schism? What? Do you know what schism is? Never heard of that word. Huh. I shall mark that up. Fuck <laughs> 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 that. Uh, man that's interesting so continue so from what you were saying earlier um uh we've kind of got off track like yeah, four I times so I, love yeah. I love getting off track no you're talking about uh the people who were eating the bread because they were the oh, yeah, yeah. forty-four thousand. and so um basically since they started doing that um we have what's or they have what's called the yearbook jehovah's witnesses make a yearbook and it's just about experience of like uh, converting people that like were at, came out of prison as murderers or it's just like the big stories to make you proud of being a Jehovah's Witness. Hmm. Yeah. And what is in that book is every year they update the number of people who partook in the memorial. So what's so you the number have, right now? I couldn't tell you. Since I haven't looked at I haven't looked at one of those books since. Huh? What's since, the? Is there a track record for how many people have partaken in the bread? To actually give a number up to 100, I can almost 000? promise you, you're not going to find that on Google. Probably, yeah. <laughs> and you also got to think like it is a rough estimate because yeah. they they take account in every congregation during the memorial, but it's like, but eventually you, there has to be some sort of. More than 21,000 people partook of the memorial emblems of unleavened bread and wine. Those who partake requested the 144,000 wanted to go to heaven. So more than 21,000. So up to now, there's there's been 21,000. 
since 1914. I think, yeah. But again, but it's the, a scriptures, story, yeah. the scriptures began, or what they were thinking about this idea began because you the don't late 1800s. See, yeah, you, can, you don't know what happened before that. And, uh, the, and so the other thing is that they believe that to be part of the 144,000, you have to be Jehovah's Witness. Only a Jehovah's Witness goes to heaven. Huh. So like, unless, so somebody quote unquote worldly would never have that opportunity. Or if you were considered, and they call it being anointed. That's, okay, that's but, the term. But they, to be 144,000, you have to be a JW. But mm-hmm. what is the, the difference between like a Christian and a JW that to them? Um, like the main thing, oh, you you believe in Jesus, so do I. You believe in the scripture, so do I. You believe that there's three gods. I but, believe they're separate, but... But as a Christian, you're celebrating Christmas, which Jehovah's Witnesses say is a pagan holiday, which it is a pagan holiday. So if all you look holidays. At the, all holidays, birthdays. They say you can't celebrate birthdays because the only three birthdays are in the Bible involve death, like John the Baptist getting his head cut off. Stuff like that. So, so if I if I say that I don't believe in holidays anymore, can I be a JW and be 144? Um, I mean, you could call it. <laughs> you mean, could I'm say you could say you're anointed I'm easily. Curious. Yeah, no, I'm being 100 percent honest with you. It's a process to get like you have to start going to the meetings. You have to study with someone. How long? How long? As long you know until they until they you think. think you're ready or they think they see you being like positive and like you're you have all this drive and you know you're zealous. Like they see that huh. and so. Um, then you tell them like, Hey, I want to become a unbaptized publisher, which is the step before baptism. And like, you start giving little parts in the meeting. Um, you get to hold the mics to, so okay, people you can just, use comments. You can read whatever you think is interesting. Um, no, I just thought it was interesting. So the Huh. So it's actually connected to Seventh Day Adventist. I don't know that. Neither did I. Hmm. You're a terrible JW. I know. Like my parents know that too. Like they knew. And they don't know you're doing this podcast, am I right? Absolutely not. Because no. you're shunned at this point. So I'm not so whenever you get um if you decide not to be a Joe's Witness anymore, you get what's called disfellowship, which is essentially shunning. Or excommunicado. Scientology calls it excommunication. Um, Amish call it shunning. Like, huh. So what does it look like for you? Um, well, for me, I faded, which is like, I guess, a worldly term. It's not really them, but I faded out. And so basically, I just went to a couple meetings here and there, and then I just kind of disappeared. I didn't talk to anyone huh. formally. I didn't want to. But they kind of know you're not there anymore. Yeah, exactly. But like, they're not going to. They've tried to reach out to me, like to just talk. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm okay. Because they make you, they legitimately make you feel like you have to talk to them. Like the elders, the the upper leaders in the congregation, they make you feel guilty if you don't talk to them. And it's like you, it takes a lot for you to realize, oh, like you're just a normal person. Like I don't have to say shit to you, Hmm. but I faded out that way. I never put my parents in a position to have to choose between talking to me or not because you've been planning this. Oh yeah. I, I, I got baptized just because like I was the last one that wasn't all my friends were my sit, my little sister was like, there was, when did you get baptized? I was probably 16 years old. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, and I'm 30 now. So that was six, like 14 years ago. So, so at that age, at 16 years old, you knew that there's, this wasn't really... It just wasn't for me. Like, okay. it just didn't make sense. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And, like, nobody would take me seriously if I... Like, if I talked to my mom about it, because she was like, well, you're not studying, so you don't understand. Because I, mm. I was like, this this literature doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't... When did that idea, like, that questioning start to begin? Probably, like, 14 years old. Whenever... It was, like, one of the first times I saw someone close to me get disfellowshipped. And I'm like, why can't I talk to my friend? Like, this doesn't make sense. And it was just... How did they get disfellowshipped? Uh, they were, I think, sexual relations with uh, another, like, 15-year-old. Like, yeah, may not have even not been even that far. That. Like, it could have just been, like, something minor. But, like, they don't show repentance. So it could have been, like, a minor thing that happened two or three times. It huh. could even be pornography. Because if really? they see it as a pattern, then... Who is they? The elders. They are the upper people in the current. So how do, how do the elders know about all this stuff? Family? Yeah, like my the first time my parents caught me looking at porn, within twenty four hours, an elder I had an elders meeting. Within twenty four hours, and it was because my mom thought she was helping me. Like this wasn't like let's just talk to them about sex or masturbation or let's handle this like a sex ed course. This was you need to be ashamed for this, and we're going to the elders. And I it was it wasn't a meeting day, it was like a Saturday afternoon. And how do you become an elder? It's just, you know, you, like that longevity? zeal, longevity. And also, are the criteria? Just like, honestly, it's just like you just if you want to if you want to be promoted at work, you make yourself known. You do everything you can to, like, show off that you're best to for the promotion. Right. Huh. So whenever you go to meetings, like you start taking on tasks that nobody wants, like, oh, the because Joe's witnesses don't hire people to do their lawn. But they have like a little schedule for the brothers, but like, if you want to do it, like you make yourself known. So you start cutting the lawn, you become, you start doing mics, which are like, you go set up the mic for the next speaker, you know, doing things like that, being huh. seen, then they can promote you to what's called a um, ministerial servant, which heavily is like action based. Yes. Heavily. Like you have to be constantly, um, just reaching out to, um, what's called, a uh, inactive members, which is what I am. You're not fully disfellowshipped Sounds yet, like but you're real estate paid. license, right? I mean, you can, you can have a license, but you can be inactive or active. Exactly, one costs more than the other, but you can still have a real estate license. <laughs> and that—that that is literally their job. Like they are just there to wow. like, kind of like bring in the flock, and that's what they tell you. Like reel in the flock. Like you—you you are constantly felt to feel like that they are just watching you. That's what this says too. So, this is saying for a man to qualify to become an elder in the congregation, apart from being baptized. Apart from being a baptized witness, he needs to meet the following requirements. The one, there's a lot. Okay, hang on. <laughs> Click on this. Uh, where'd it go? Uh, let's continue reading. The overseer should therefore be irreprehensible, a husband of one wife, moderate in habits, sound in mind, orderly, hospitable, qualified to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but reasonable, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, a man presiding over his own household in a fine manner, having his children in subject subjection with all seriousness. For if any man does not know how to preside over his own household, how will he care for the congregation of God? Not a newly converted man for fear that he might get pulled off with pride and fall into the judgment passed on the devil. 
Moreover, he should also have a fine testimony from outsiders so that he does not fall into reproach and a snare of the devil. The above list comes directly from the Bible at 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. So it's interesting because um, the church, the Christian church, has similar requirements for eldership. And I think some of that is not, and it's not like heavily action based, like you're saying, where, you know, you, you got to go cut the yeah, upper lawn yeah. or, it, but it is like, hey, like if, if you want to be a leader in the church, you do have to like. Lead by example, essentially. Yeah. But like, how, what's your character like? You know, I'm, I'm, oh, we're not going to have a leader, an elder in the church who's, you know, a pimp. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, but, but you're wrong. That's the thing. You show repentance. Like if you have a history of being a pimp and like, let's say you did jail time or whatever, if you repented, you could come to be a Jehovah's and promote up to being an elder. So you could essentially, as long as you show that repentance like, and take the safe. Though, like, oh yeah. No, yeah. currently no. Well, that's anybody. Like, I mean, who doesn't want to be known for their past, right? Or who opposite what I just said, <laughs> nobody wants to be known for their past. Exactly. Right. Yeah. No matter what the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just find that interesting how like they pull from the same scripture, both Christianity and Jehovah's witness, mm-hmm. but it seems like Jehovah's witness is a very much works based oh, yeah. and uh, cut the grass, you know, bring the mic up, things like that. It's do, like, do it's, the, do the things people don't want to do. Huh? Yeah. Because you're leading by example. Like I'm willing to do this. So y'all should be, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I remember being a kid. It's like, you saw, you know, like when I was like 12 or 13 and like my friend's older brother who was 18, was trying to move up in the congregation, I'd see him doing that and then it'd make me want to do it. Cause I'm like, oh, his older brother's doing it. Like- Just like the army. Uh, it really is. Like it's- it's Rank. Like it is. It That's how it works. It's a ranking system. So do you see rank by power and corruption all correlated? Oh, a hundred percent. So like- But it, it, and it varies on congregation. Cause like I've seen, you know, great men be elders and it's like yeah. why are you in this like because they are genuinely just there to just help people help people they uh, want you to you know so i'm not going to say like all jobs and misses are like evil. yeah a lot don't know like they don't know what they anybody. what don't they know they don't know that they're in a cult huh like interesting it's it's crazy because like i was told so many times hey man like i'm pretty sure you're in a cult and i'm like no like they're not making us shave our heads and like do sex stuff like <laughs> it's a normal thing like it's a christian religion you yeah. know and i'm like you're crazy like let me show you this literature <laughs> but like like once the once the the veil's lifted like you realize oh like you control so much time of my life that i can't look elsewhere like you are ex- like there's it's a great privilege to be considered a pioneer as a Joe's witness and that's someone who spends over a hundred hours a month like trying to convert people doing the door-to-door ministry doing hmm. like letter writing to your house so if you get a letter from Joe's witness it's one of them did you ever do that uh yeah yeah I did yeah I would have loved to talk to you door-to-door they were freaking awesome but the thing was <laughs> I never wanted to and so like uh, no matter how much I went I rarely would be the one to talk like I was just going to get my hours because if you're doing less than 10 hours, at least you were reaching what's like inactive. And so then the elders start talking to you, start encouraging you, telling mm. you, you know, uh, without works, faith is dead. And yep. so like stuff like that. Yeah. They, exactly. Like they, they control so much of your time. Whenever I was a kid and my mom got baptized and my dad finally converted at some point, um, he uh, they they started having book study which was an old thing they don't do it anymore but it was every tuesday night and it was at our house and it was about almost an hour and a half long 
I hear it popping. I did too. Is the phone close? Oh, there it is. <laughs> um, they would do book study. And so what book study is, is like 20 people come to your house and everyone, somebody would host it. Like there'd be four or five people, different people hosting uh-huh. it. But it was like an hour and a half of your Tuesday night that was dedicated to going over like 10 paragraphs in a book. Then there was Thursday night meeting, which was almost it was like two hours and five minutes long. Um, I know because I counted every minute of every meeting. <laughs> um, but like it, that was another meeting you had to go to. Saturday it was expected that all families go out in the door to door ministry Saturday morning. That's why it was pretty consistent. Then Sunday was Sunday meeting, which was another two hours. Like you're so time based. It's all this time based. Everything is time based. So like you spend your time serving Jehovah. Like when you want, when, like I remember telling my parents, like, I want to do this. Like, this is my life. They were like, your life belongs to Jehovah. That's what you did when you got baptized. Like you can enjoy your life after, like when the paradise gets here. And huh. so like, you, like your whole soul purpose. When you purpose, say paradise gets here, what do you mean? Whenever, what they believe after Armageddon, like the Jehovah's witnesses and the ones that weren't Jehovah's witnesses, but like had a good heart, they'll be resurrected in paradise. Like what it says in Genesis where mm-hmm. Adam and Eve lived. Um, and then everyone else is dead after Armageddon. Um, so my parents really focused on like, just be a, be a pioneer or be a minute, like a, um, auxiliary pioneer, which is just getting half the hours, but it's still spending all your time. Plus all the meetings plus studying for those meetings. Like huh. you have no time. So, so time is directly correlated to how much you're loved by God. A hundred percent. They, so, huh. they, they tell you it's unconditional love, but it's based off how much time you're willing to Unconditional. spend. <laughs> Sounds like Christianity. A lot of Christians, honestly, it, it really does, that, and it's, it's very similar. Not 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 everybody is like that, but the Christian church today is very similar in that it's Ten Commandments. Like you have to do this, do this, do this to earn the love of God, and that's just like that's so screwed up. It's it's very insane. Similar. It's very insane. Similar. Um, but you know, my parents always telling me like, you know, do this for Jehovah, do that, and it's like you don't realize how much time you're spending for Jehovah, even if you're not trying to, like I wasn't studying, I wasn't spending time studying, but it was like all the meetings I had to go to the minister, the service ministry, because if I wasn't in that 10 hours, then like you're looked at, like, it's kind of like you, if you want to keep your head low, you do the bare minimum. Like I'll do 12 hours, you know, <laughs> like I, I had a plan. It's Sounds three like Saturday working with you in yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. I just had to take like three shits that were like no, four no, hours long each. No, I'm pretty sure you were trying to court your wife at the time. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> like, okay, where is your wife today? Oh, that's where I can find you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, she's in green? So am I. <laughs> trying to switch with anybody. Uh, hey, man, it is what it is. I got it. Yeah, I picked up your slack. I, now you're I married. I shot my shot. <laughs> um, but yeah, so everything is time-based. And like, you just, for me, it was just keeping my head low. And that, and that's what I did. I, I uh, like whenever I switched congregations at one point. Um, Why'd you switch? Just moving. I moved oh, from okay. Weatherford to Northridge Hills, and so I switched. But like I, oh yeah. Is it hard to find uh, a new congregation? No, not at all. You just Google like I, yeah, you like I, you can church. Google it, or you can just tell the elders in your congregation yeah. like, hey, I'm moving to this area. Um, do you, can you get me in contact with the closest uh, like a membership that you have to like? Cause like a lot of old school Baptist church, you have to almost 
uh, retract membership for one, get mm. the blessing of the pastor to go to the next. Membership. No, not at all. You, okay. Um, but they do have like a file on you. So like, if you got Ooh. disfellowshipped, if Sounds you like Google, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> if you get disfellowshipped, if you if you get in trouble for anything, um, they they keep it. They keep track of it. So when you do switch congregations, they know everything that you huh. did in the last one and the one pro- like you keeps going. Is there something? Is there uh, like a time frame on this? No. It was forever. An, it was just that was the file. So if you're five and you cut yourself on purpose because you're suicidal, you they remember that. I mean, but it really starts keeping track of when you get baptized. So if you're five, you're probably not baptized. Okay, so at post baptism. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, what do they do? So do you have to like always repent for everything you've ever done all the time? The best thing to How do is how do you get off your file? <laughs> you don't. You don't. But like. That's it. They, I don't, I've never seen my file. So like, Ooh, I'd, I'd love be, to see your file. I'd, That'd oh, be awesome. <laughs> I'm sure my wife would love to see that file. <laughs> but like, I just, I'd, I'd be guessing as to what was on it or what's written on it or how long any time frame was. But we all know it's there because huh. whenever you go to, if you find a new congregation, you can be like, oh, we request my records from my old congregation. You tell them who to contact and that's that. But that's exhausting. Um, I mean, how often are you moving though? You know, no, what I mean? remember, like having a file, like having a track record. Oh yeah, no, that absolutely. is ex- what that do to you? <laughs> yeah, well, can you say that again in the mic? <laughs> say that again in the mic. I mean, come on. What? Oh, okay, she said God's. What did you say? I said God doesn't remember, but they do. Yeah, God doesn't remember, but they do. Yeah. Um, and it's true. Like you, you know, they tell you like. Like, I remember one specific uh, meeting I went to. It was, like, one of the only ones that, like, I, re- I don't know why it stuck out to me. But the elder on stage, like, crumbled up a piece of paper and then flattened it out. And he's like, you see all these wrinkles? Like, this is how you view yourself um, after making mistakes. Like, every wrinkle is a mistake. And then he pulled out a new piece of paper and he's like, this is how God sees you. But your file says otherwise, you know, <laughs> like it I mean, shows I, like the analogy I, loved, I love the analogy that sticks <laughs> with you. And then as you get older and you realize more about this, you're like, oh, shit, like uh, you're full of crap. Uh-huh. You know, like it's the same talk every wow. every week. It's the same th- material. Like it's just they go over Bible scriptures and they tell you why we're right. You know, like, you know, we're waiting on Armageddon. We're waiting on, you know, we see we're in, they're living in the last days because of all the pestilence and crime and famine and all the greediness and like everything the Bible says will happen in the end, but they're taking it so literally, even though this has been happening for like for the, since the beginning of time, people are greedy. People are selfish. Like it's good. You know, like people look out for themselves Uh most of the time. Like, which which is why I think it's so funny about the whole like vaccine stuff. We talked about this earlier. Yeah. Like I I, man, vaccine, I don't give a, like y'all do whatever the hell you want. I don't care. But how people are so trusting whenever the history shows that specifically, specifically trusting in the governments and the powers that be, across the world but history shows every time that the government is always just wanting to run experiments exactly <laughs> i mean they're, exactly. Just, they're just trying to power grab mm-hmm. which is terrible it sucks but which we don't want that to happen but you said something earlier that it was very interesting to me how um oh gosh as a, as a rebuttal to that statement do you remember what it was about power grabbing and and like that's just it's a human issue oh god what was it, it was so good but i forgot it i don't remember either this damn whiskey. It's great. And yeah, the wild turkey is great. Um, College. And so, like, extending off of a, like, 
Mm-hmm. Extending off of like staying within that bubble and spending all your time with Jehovah's Witnesses. Like, let's say you graduate high school and you want to go to college. They strongly discourage like secular activities outside of the Jehovah's Witnesses. And so what they tell you is like, oh, well, if you go to this, like if you go to Texas Tech or if you go to like OU or something like there's no kingdom halls on campus. So you're going to just like fall out of the truth. And like they scare you into that. And they uh. like they they try to convince you like you need to just spend your time doing um, what we want you to do. Do what Jehovah wants you to do, which is just door to door ministry and, you know, shepherding the congregation. Like hmm. that's it. So like a lot of them, a lot of Jehovah's don't have careers. They just have jobs or like maybe they started their own business, but like most of them don't go to college. Well, that was actually, might go to trade school. That like, brings up a question for me because if Jehovah's Witness and that religion is so time-based, that means you have very little time to work on anything else that makes you more money. So does that mean that overall Jehovah's Witnesses are mainly on the lower socioeconomic status? Yes, really? 100%. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a whole lot of rich JWs. No, like I've known two, I've known two with money and that was it. And one of them was an ex NFL player that, uh, he played for, he played for years and then he got converted and, uh, he moved, uh, where by, we uh by a person who goes door to door. door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what are they called again? Pioneers? No, I mean, any, any Jehovah's Witnesses, any Jehovah's Witness can go door to door. That's how you get your time. Okay. So like everyone has to do it. Wow. But yeah, if you're getting over a hundred hours and it's a hundred and something hours, I think it's 112. But if you do over that, then you're a pioneer. So you literally, so going back to school, like that's frowned upon yeah. bottom line, bottom line, like trade so schools so are you went okay. to EMT school. Right. And, and that was okay. Tra- yeah. Trade schools are okay because Why? you're, cause I, I was, I went to a community college, so I wasn't, what? I wasn't far from my kingdom hall huh. and it wasn't taking up too much time cause it was just, you know, just EMT class. I wasn't taking a full schedule. Mine was, where'd you go? I went to, you know where I went. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I went to the one here. Oh, okay. 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 It was, it was, uh, it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, all day. And then they gave you enough homework to make sure that your off days, yeah, your off days were full days of work. I went one day a week What? for nine hours. I had two homework assignments. What? Yeah. It was cush. Dude, how many people started in your class? Uh, usually like thirty, graduating twelve. Thirty graduated four. Okay, and it was that, well, wow. that sounds brutal. It like, was. I, I bet only four graduated. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I want to graduate. Four graduated. Only three passed the NRE. Jeez. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's know. crazy, but it makes sense. Like, so trade school. Yeah. Like my trade school, that would not go against. That not, jo- would go with JW. Jo- it's more is, than full time college. Like I was on a. If, like on Reddit, there's a uh, subreddit called XJW, and oh. it is it's helped me a lot. It's like interesting. It's a lot of people that have came together and they just they can vent, they can ask questions. I've seen people be like, "I'm an elder in a congregation. I'm having doubts." Ooh. Like, so who who has the file on the elders? Who's above the elders? Above the elders, um, there's a district overseer, which is so it's a pyramid scheme. Essentially, yeah, oh. yeah. You keep working your way up, but there's a district overseer. Do you get paid for higher up? No. You don't get tithes or anything like that? No. Well, I don't know if they get paid, but like we're told they don't. Like we're we're convinced that they don't. Um, I can't tell you about the like the the top of the food chain, they're called the governing body. And it is uh That sounds exciting. Yeah. Six six between six and eight anointed brothers. What does anointed mean? Um chosen to be at the, the hundred and forty four thousand. So they've they've taken part. Mm-hmm. They've part so, so there's there's uh 
conflicts of interest oh, abound. 100%. Like abounding with all this. Mm-hmm. Because if you can convince people that you've taken the bread, that you're anointed or whatever. Um, yeah, fill me up if you don't mind. Jamie, fill that drink. <laughs> no, it's not. You don't got to do too much. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be. I don't want to be sloshed. I just. That's good. Thank you. I'll take as much as him. <clears throat> so, if you take a part of the bread, and the, the, the communion mm-hmm. that you are a part of the hundred forty-four thousand, that means you can easily work your way up. Yes. To more power and more authority. Essentially, yeah. And more Yeah, you status. work. You say you want to be a district overseer, which are above the elders. And what you do is their job is to travel to every congregation within their district and just encourage. Thank you. Just encourage. They do service every single day. They don't take a day off from the door-to-door ministry. That's what service is. They're door-to-door. <coughs> Sorry. Thank you. So are there more anointed ones who are pioneers? Uh, I I don't know that I don't I'd know like that ratio, that but I'm sure. Uh, to be honest with you, that it. would not surprise me. The two, the one that was claiming to be one, and the one that said that he was one and then wasn't, they were both pioneers. So it makes I wonder if, if there's a a far lopsided side because of how many people are putting the money and they want to get rewarded for it. Exactly. Yeah, because they, they feel like they're worth it because of how much action. Which it's funny because like you, the action that that you put forth, you want to get known for it and get status for it just like mm-hmm. christianity exactly like, if you're a really good christian uh it's very easy to judge anybody else who's not on your same side of right. perfection right mm-hmm. um what's this why jehovah's witnesses are a pyramid scheme <laughs> i'm gonna read this over hand False promises and no products. Pyramid schemes lure members via promise of payments or services for enrolling others into the scheme, <laughs> rather that rather than supplying any real investment or sale of products or services to the public. And if that you like, going. if you convert someone, like they bring you on stage and you talk about your experience, like it's like, huh. oh, I did this, and like you get that spotlight, you get that five minutes of like, I did this. Huh. It is a like because like if someone comes door to door to you, they're going to invite you to a Sunday meeting not a Thursday meeting. What's the difference? The difference is the Sunday meeting is based purely on a talk or I say a Thursday meeting. Other cities have other um, days. Like it might be Wednesday or Tuesday. Um, For me, it was always Thursdays. But anyways, um, the Sunday meeting is made for the public and you can go to either. They're not going to push you away, but like we encourage the Sunday one because I keep saying we, like I'm still a part of it. That is like just built into my brain. It's just interesting. It bothers all. Yeah. I've, but I've, I noticed it. it I noticed it too. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> um, but like they, they want you to go to the public meeting because that is a an hour long, like encouraging meeting mm-hmm. of just like why we're right. And did it again. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then, it's fine. Just, yeah. just talk like And then um, the, uh, the other hour is over the watchtower, which is the pamphlet that they pass out when they go to the door. Um, they go door to door. Door to door. Sloshed. Sloshed. Damn whiskey. <laughs> um, but they go door to door and um, they give you that pamphlet and like we do, they'll do like an a, like a whole section of it, which is like a chapter, 20 paragraphs. Um, it could be over literally anything like, you know, but it's usually like something based around something Jesus did. Um, depending on time of year, it could be around Jesus's death. It'll be based mm. on that. And it's just, it, it all correlates to the Bible. Um, but the Thursday meeting is more based around the current congregation. So it's like, a, like a big talk that usually lasts about 30 minutes. Um, like another 
30 minutes was dedicated to the people who were trying to work their way up. So when I was a kid, I wanted to get parts. So they would give me like a Bible reading, which was like mm. five minutes long. And I get to be on stage in front of everyone and read the Bible. And like, it's just more spotlight, yeah. you know? And so can, can I get you an easier chair or a better chair? You good like that? Okay. And so, um, that was on Thursdays. And then after all that, then it would be like almost like the minutes for the congregation. Like, they don't take collections, but they'd be like, hey, we have these bills coming up. Let's pass a resolution to like have like every like every family pay like four dollars and, you know, and you don't have to pay it. Like there's no. There is something cool about that, though, because so a lot of uh, like like a democracy. You're saying that's cool or like, what are you <laughs> saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm saying is like uh <sighs> So in, in a lot of Christian churches, uh, it's ten percent of your income, right? That's right. That's yeah. what you're supposed to tithe. Mm-hmm. And if you don't tithe, there's whole tithing sermons and services. Basically, if you if you can't pay up, then we're all going to go under, and and you may not you may be frowned upon in God's sight. Right. I've I've seen churches do that. But there is something cool about a community saying, "Hey, this is a need. Just let's see if we can let's see if we can meet it. Like you don't have to do like this doesn't." have anything to do with how you're viewed by God mm-hmm. or whatever higher power you believe in. It's right. zero to do with any of that. But if you could, man, that'd be cool. And there's no pressure either way. Right. right. That is cool. And I kind of wish churches would move all the way towards that. Even just even friends. Like say we had 50 friends or 20 friends. Hey, like our friends over here, they just, their car just broke down. Like they need to like, they need a new car. Right. Like, man, can we just help out? Let's, let's, Let's bring together. If, if, if you can, let's see if we can get them a $5,000 car. Right. That would be cool. And I think that's how communities can come together in some really cool 100%. ways. 100%. Without obligation that you're going to hell mm-hmm. because of tithe. Right. And like, I, that was another thing my mom liked about it. She would always brag about that there's no collections plate. She was like, there's no, no guilt. Like, she was poor at the time. When she started going, she didn't have to feel like she had to give money. Yeah. Like, it was just that. Um but that's also why they like when they pass resolutions, they only want people who are baptized members of the congregation to vote. So that's why you're really not incur- like that's why they mm-hmm. don't really invite strangers into the congregation because um, well, if they partake in the vote, then it's counted and it's like they really didn't have a, yeah. a like a foot in the ring, you know. Yeah. So you aren't uh, an authority because you're not really a member. Yeah, but you're still casting a vote. Exactly. Or huh. or and it's just like it's just little business things like a. Um, like the district overseer might be coming for a visit, so they'll go over the schedule of what's happening. And so it's yeah. things that are relevant to the public huh. at the time. And that's how they see it. So so this entire thing, we, we've kind of had a fairly like eye-opening, borderline negative connotation on this entire thing. Right. On on it, on JWs. Was there anything good about this experience for you? Um, I can't complain. Like, that's the thing. Like, I didn't... It's not an evil thing. It's a... Uh, I mean, yeah, you feel a lot more guilt than you need to. Um, because? Like, I, like, like for me, like going to the elders for looking at porn, you know, like that, mm. like as a child, you don't need that. Like, it'd be better to talk to your parents. Mm. My parents didn't handle it. They let them handle it. So that those kind of things, like they, they kind of stick with you. But then the positives were like, I had like four best friends that were all my age and we all grew up together. And so we'd play basketball, we'd go to the gym, we did a lot of stuff. And because I had that close knit of friends, I didn't realize I was missing out on friends outside because I had that. But is that, that's not really a JW thing though. That That's just community wise that you can find that at school. You can find that 
uh, honestly anywhere, right? Well, a hundred percent. But you know, at Joe's Witnesses, they strongly encourage you not to seek friendships outside the congregation. Did you go to public school? I did. Uh, I was homeschooled for like sixth and seventh grade, but everything else, I was I was in public school. Didn't hang out with people outside of school. Hmm. They discourage you from secular activities in school because it's taken away from Jehovah and they don't want you associating with worldly people. So it's like they keep you in without like making rules. They make you feel like it's a freedom of choice. But in reality, there's a guideline. Yeah, I get that. And like you're you're following it without even like subconsciously. Again, I've seen some Christians take it that far, too, Mm -hmm. on the the Christian side of things as well. A lot of of, uh, similarities on some things. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I, I don't think that I don't think this is a full reflection of the Christian religion. I think that I think it's church based, <laughs> which is really sucky because there are some churches that honestly, as far as Christian wise, get it spot on. Right. But it's very few and far between. Oh, 100 percent. Very few and far between. They like and that's why I said, like, it's not all Jehovah's Witnesses are evil or all elders are out there to get you. There are legitimately people that are there to help you. Yeah. And like they just want you to live a good moral Christian lifestyle. Whereas yeah. then there are some that just aren't on a power trip. Huh. It's just like anything else. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Power. Mm-hmm. So you've, you went, uh, 14 years initially, mm. right. Uh, without questioning things. Uh, rough, more or less. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. 16, you got baptized. 14 to six, between 14 and 16, you were like, I don't really know if this is for me because you're starting to kind of develop your identity. Mm-hmm. 16, you still get baptized. After 16, what kind of walk me through what happened? Um, I was just, you know, kind of like I just kept my head low, did the minimum amount of hours. Um, I gave parts in the in during the meetings just to like so they think I'm like working my way up. But I always never I never wanted to have more responsibilities. I never want to be a part of it. I just want to just. Not to be talked to. So you you, you didn't want responsibility, but you started to go into the EMS field. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it's anything to get out, man. <laughs> <laughs> no. And so um, my, my, my dad was out very rational. My mom wanted me to be a pioneer after high school. Oh, yeah. So um, I'm sorry. Your dad and mom's relationship, like, like she's all for it. He was completely against it. He was it. completely against it. And then one day uh, I was very young. I don't I don't specifically remember this, but I've heard the story. Um. My mom told the elders about my dad. And so when the district overseer came through, they all requested to meet with my dad and they met with my dad and essentially got him to start studying. And you don't know why? No idea. I don't know what was said. I don't, I wasn't, I was young. like a gang up. It does. It does. It was like three, I want to say there were three brothers. Um, It's just, it's just interesting their tactics. Yeah. They come off as loving, but in reality there is a, and the thing is, they legitimately think they're helping you. I can't say that they don't. Hmm. Yeah. Like, like I, like as much as I didn't want to, I never wanted to like be that guy, that preachy guy that was like, Oh, you're in the wrong religion. Like I have the truth. Like I didn't know, but I was also like, if you want to listen, like I'll tell you what I know. I'm like, this is what I believe. But like, even though I didn't really believe it, like it was like kind of my job, you know what I mean? Like you uh, almost feel guilty. Like, yeah. cause if you don't do it and then you're wrong, like it's like, oh, like you could have saved this person and you uh, didn't. So, so, so are, that that pressure were you feeling because of God or because of like social pressures? Social pressures. Okay. Social. Um, because I felt pressured before because I felt like uh God would judge me on mm-hmm. something I did or didn't do. Okay. Very similar to like evangelizing. Like if I don't mm-hmm. evangelize, then they're going to hell. <laughs> like that right. type of yeah. thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know. So so for me, it was very much. 
God based. Um, and then once I kind of figure out that that perspective on like what God's roles in my in my life, it, it completely changed. But I was kind of curious if that was God based or social based. Okay. It sounds like it's social based, it, and that's what it felt like. It was uh-huh. more so social based. Um, now, was that the consensus for most JWs, where they feel like they have to do something because of the community, or do they feel like they have to do something because of God? I mean, everyone varies. That's the thing. I'm mm-hmm. like, for me, it was social, but for some people, they legitimately feel like they're doing this for Jehovah, mm-hmm. which is. In the Bible, it says, like, he whose name is the most high is Jehovah. And so, in the King James Version, I believe it's a, I don't remember the scripture offhand, but it, there is a scripture. And yeah. so, um, that's why they, they're called Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, they believe that's God's name, which King James says it is, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think there's there's a uh, definite uh, uh, greatness yeah. to Jehovah and God and higher, all that stuff. Yahweh. I think that's that. like I think that's, like, more semantic than anything I, for, for today's culture, uh, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. Huh. All right. So when did you start to like fade out? Because when I, start, I, when I started learn, working with you, you were still, in I was still in it. Yeah. Pretty hardcore. Right. Even though you're doing, I some kept the facade up facade. Okay. Yeah. I kept the facade up. I wanted to have my own life, but like, I didn't know how to take a step back. Like mm-hmm. it was just like one of those things. It's like, well, this is my life. Like, and I even knew that, like, I was like, I'm never going to live. when did you start jumping into like drugs and stuff? Um, I started, I mean, I started smoking weed back in middle school. I did a, like I did some shrooms in high school and when you do shrooms in high school, it's really just to like get fucked up. It's to, <laughs> it's to hallucinate and see the walls melting, all that good stuff. Like that's all it's about. You don't yeah. see it as a medicinal thing. Um, I started getting into drugs again was, um, probably about my mid twenties. I was around 23. I started getting back into smoking weed. Um, was there a trigger for that? Or are you just like bored? Um, when did you start working at EMS? I started working at EMS in ni- when I was 19. Okay. I got hired on it. I got hired on at 19. And uh, I did that. I worked uh, on the truck for six years. Then I started working at the hospital with uh-huh. you. And that around like a year into working at the hospital, that's when I started. Yeah getting back into it just because like they didn't drug test us unless you know it warranted it so i was like oh okay this is cool okay. like all right <laughs> get back into it got all my old plugs you know i still got and the you, number saved quickly became the guy to go to oh uh, quickly. oh dude well it also helps being mexican like everyone's <laughs> like oh the, the one mexican who works here surely he knows to get some weed and so That's like funny. I started smoking weed again and then so, uh, so so weed the hospital and your transition out kind of all started happening at the same time oh yeah yeah they they're all kind of correlated they absolutely are um I was going through a divorce which was strongly uh um frowned upon are you allowed to talk about the reasons why uh th- just because Joe's witnesses believe and it's also a Christian thing um you don't really get divorced unless there is cheating uh an affair yeah. uh, essentially adultery thank you um and so because of that i didn't have grounds for divorce and so but like i still was just i still got the divorce um there was just other matters i wasn't happy um and so because of that like i was kind of already looked like an outsider because i i went and got a divorce w- without having the grounds the for it grounds mm-hmm. and so yeah. around then like i started just hanging out with people I wanted to hang out with people at the hospital, my now wife. Um, like I just, I got friends, like friends that actually gave a shit about me. It wasn't mm. unconditional. It wasn't conditional love because whenever I did that, I noticed people treating me different, the divorce. So whenever you would 
uh, one of your actions changed, your friends would completely disregard you. Yeah. Not really or like not a hundred percent disregard me, but like they, you could tell that there was like an underlying thing. Mm. Like it just felt different. It wasn't hanging out with the guys anymore. It was mm. like I was being judged all of a sudden and they didn't know I smoked weed. They didn't know anything else about me other than I had a divorce under my belt. Do they believe that drugs are bad? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do drugs. You don't even smoke cigarettes. Like you don't do, really? yeah, you can't smoke cigarettes. Um, cause it's like considered unhealthy. Um, and it's like taking your life and at a risk. Wait, um, so, so J- JWs manage risk. Yeah. You don't, you don't skydive. You, really? Yeah. You don't do anything that puts your life at risk because your life belongs to Jehovah. Because, you, because your job 100, is 144,000. Yeah. And your job is to preach the word. And if you take Whoa. your life at risk and you die, like you're, you're take you're doing your own, you're doing your thing. You're not serving Jehovah. So do they drive? Yes. They do drive. And they even fly in planes. But they can't jump out of it mm-hmm. with a parachute that is statistically less likely to die from than a plane crash. Yeah. It's insane. Huh? Yeah. So where did the risk idea come from? Um, cause I'm all about I'll risk be management. honest with you. I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. I'm going to that later, I'm, man. Almost, where is our Jamie? Where does she go? God. <laughs> um, but that, like, I remember wow. that. Yeah, that is a thing. And like, I never skydived because of that. Cause like, you go skydiving? Let's it's do fun. It. I want to. The first time I was in a plane, I flew it. The second time I jumped out of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go get my pilot's license. And the very first time I jumped in, I expected to like, you know, just take me up. Right. Mm-hmm. No, like he got up in the plane. I was like, here you go. And then didn't say a word. I was like, what? That's so awesome. I'm like flying right up the. Oh, that's awesome. So risk. That's yeah. crazy. And so, um, like I already have that divorce under my belt. So like, I'm already a kind of a liability almost. Like I'm like, I'm already like on the fence of like, hmm. he didn't have grounds for this, but like, he also didn't do anything to get talked to. So Did I'm you get like, an elder talking to or? I got strongly encouraged to do everything I could from my marriage, but. What was that like? Was, it was uncomfortable. Yeah, I did they the same three guys and yeah, it's uh they'd make it more relaxed. It'd be two guys. Um, <laughs> if it's three guys, it's a judicial committee. If it's two guys, then it's just what? It's just it's two guys talking to two you. Two brothers. Yeah, two brothers. But if just, it's three, it's like the perfect number. So yeah, it's a judicial committee. So and what happens if there's seven? Because that's the next perfect number. Um, that's whenever they all meet up and do the talking. How many elders are there? It it just depends on how many are like up to standard per capita. Yeah, they well they want as many as they can get, but so if you have a congregation of 150 people, you can have 100 elders. I mean, no, but they can only be men, and they have to be following all standards. So like, God, that's tiring. It, you, you spend all your time dedicated to this, and you don't realize it. All outings are with the congregation. Like they go to the park and show it because it is it is low income. Like a lot of park stuff, a lot uh-huh. of free things, and so it's just or like going to other people's like places. But it was never like outings. Huh. Yeah. All right. So hospital. So so hospital. Start um. The, the, start walking through the phase out. So I started uh smoking again and uh. Then at a certain point, I was like, you know, I want to do shrooms again. Like, it wasn't a medicinal thing. It wasn't a, I just wanted to. Like, I just, I was like, I remember hallucinating. I remember getting fucked up. Like, <laughs> like shrooms aren't bad. Like, I can't drug test for shrooms. Like, let's do it. So, um, me and my now wife, um, I got us two six gram chocolate bars. Which, oh my gosh. Yeah. If you know shrooms, then I think six I know grams, who you got that from too. Yeah. Yeah. You do. Yeah, I do. And so, um, <laughs> 
I got a, and if anyone knows, six grams is a shit ton. Like that's a hero so, dose. So, okay, microdosing is how much? Like, like point point four? two. Point two. Yeah. Okay. Of a gr- yeah, point two of a gram. Of one like, gram, and you took six grams. And we took six grams, and <laughs> like that trip, it it was like the thing that lifted the veil over my eyes. I don't huh. know why it was so such a religion based uh, trip for me, but it was like one of those things that like I remember me and um. Jamie, we're uh, just <laughs> <laughs> we were um, like sitting. Yeah, we were sitting in the grass, and I was looking at ants, and you know I'm fucked up, so <laughs> bear with me. But I remember looking at the ants and being like, "Oh my god, they probably look at us, and we're gods." And then like my mind just shattered because hmm. then I was like, "So we're just looking up at the next thing and assuming that's God." Hmm. And it was like that moment. I was like, it just it did something in me and it was like, let's start, let's start doing some research. Could like, you have done that without shrooms? I don't think I would have had that thought. I wouldn't have mm. taken the time to look at ants. Like to be yeah. completely honest yeah. with you, like I've never, I've never sat in the grass. <laughs> like I play Xbox, you know, like I'm, I don't go outside, <laughs> but like I'm tripping and like, we're like, Oh, it's like great outside. Like let's be one with earth, yeah. you know, like super but, hippie shit. Well, but it's hilarious. Cause I'm diving deep into what that actually means. Like being one with earth. What does it actually mean to, you know, touch the ground and, exactly. and walk barefoot and look at the grass and look at the sky and and uh I'm, you don't take an appreciation for it in my opinion like well, in your everyday life because you're busy yes you're and so busy there's legit science behind it and it's called schumann's resonance and we know that the earth has a vibrational frequency of roughly 7.89 hertz okay um anything that that spikes outside of that it can be caused by solar flares it can be caused by uh, lightning storms and they measure it it's called schumann's resonance by dr schumann in the 1960s i believe just after Operation Paperclip, fun fact, German scientist who was working for NASA uh, figured out something called Schumann's Residence, Dr. Schumann, that the Earth actually has a vibrational frequency. And whenever you touch the Earth, when you walk out barefoot, um, it actually does, you, you can become, it sounds funny, one with the Earth. Okay. But what is crazier is that your brain frequencies, you have like five uh, different types of brain frequencies, alpha, beta, gamma, theta, uh, one other one. No. I forgot. Um, but between i think alpha and theta frequencies is like your most relaxed states i forgot what the actual name is but your most relaxed states that you can be non-stressed is between seven and ten hertz i did not know this all right okay okay so between seven and ten hertz is your most uh relaxed state Mm -hmm. between 12 and 15 you're kind of like almost inching towards anxiety and then 15 or 16 to 30 you're having an anxiety attack. And every time that this resonance, this vibrational frequency spikes, I get anxiety attacks. Okay. I, I, I listened to your other podcast about that this. one. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now I know so it's now all I'm correlated. So it's funny how like you talk about, um, shrooming and how it lets you be aware of your surroundings. It lets you touch the earth and look at the ants. Almost appreciate it. Yes. You, you like for me, Whenever I've done, like, I've done a couple different psychedelics, um, DMT, LSD, and shrooms. Shrooms was the I'm one. watching you on DMT, by the way. Next I'm recording time, next this time. next time. Oh, yes. absolutely. I want to be there with you. I want to be your safe guy. <laughs> I'll be, like, writing notes. Ooh. So much for a safe guy. He'll be like, do it again. Do it again. <laughs> I'm going to get a firecracker. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay, um, man. But um, the shroom, shrooms have always been, like, the one that, like, you just... You you want to feel the grass. You want to feel the sun on you. Like it's something about it 
something that it does in your brain that it's just like you crave that nature mm. and it's that's it's, interesting it's so weird i cannot explain it because like they're connected though i'd rather i'd rather be sitting i can never want to be outside <laughs> and like when i when i'm on shrooms i'm like it's enjoyable just to sit on like a hammock like and yeah. just like enjoy or even like laying in the grass it's so weird it's mm. such hippy dippy you know, shit but no what's funny is that those hippies that you see who are shrooming like in the in the, in the 80s or whatever 70s and 80s I guess 60s. 60s, really. Ones, yeah, right? yeah. It's like Woodstock eras uh-huh. and shit. Uh, they always have a guitar. Oh, yeah. And music uh-huh. affects your brain frequencies, just like the earth does. Huh. That's also why whenever you're in urban environments, um, you typically have heightened anxiety states, increased okay. depression. But when you're in beach areas, like natural areas, rainforests, uh, close to the beach, even Corpus Christi, Galveston, Florida, mental health, very little. Compared okay. to urban environments, huh? But it's because of the the natural frequencies. I got you. So very much so, how LSD or, or uh, shrooms lets you have this state where you're relaxed, that you want to feel the earth. It's because the frequencies are coinciding. It's almost like making a song. Mm-hmm. Like okay. if you if you're playing in the key of G, you can't play necessarily in the key of E, right? And it creates dissonance, and your your brain's like ah. But if you're playing the same key, you can you can play different chords in the same key or different notes in the same key, right? And it makes music. Okay. So I'm wondering, it's kind of a real a revelation for me. I'm wondering if when you do shrooms like that, because it not not even not even talking about the neuro the neurobiology behind what shrooms does to your brain, um, just the vibrational frequency that shrooms does. Mm-hmm. If it's making almost like a song with the earth, right? And that's why you're so connected to the earth. I mean, honestly, because it wouldn't it's, surprise it's mutual me. It frequencies. It's it really wouldn't surprise me because like the, I don't example, I don't fall down I don't know, go down these rabbit holes with psychedelics I'm not like one of these people that's like oh yeah man like <laughs> it's from the earth it's going in you like uh, it's all natural but like it makes complete sense uh, and it's just one of those things that like when you're tripping on shrooms like you do feel like more one with nature but it's enough. so funny how it's everybody who's tripping like that always talks about the earth mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's, it's there has to be something there's there. something there there absolutely hmm. is because I don't give a shit about like looking at the plants in my yeah. day-to-day life i don't i'm not that guy yeah but whenever i'm tripping like i notice the details in so many things like you pay so much more attention to you know even like if i'm like looking like my wife has so many house plants and it's like when i look at them while tripping i'm like oh like this is why she digs this like mm. this is so cool like all the different leaves and like th- what they're doing and just the shapes of them like it just it just it gets you. So there's a money zone for your mind mm-hmm. within all this stuff. And I, right. I know you've experienced both the rough zone and the very good zone. Right. So how do you find that balance? I mean, I'm never going to tell someone like you need. What's that? Yeah, I'm never going to tell someone like a specific like amount of shrooms, but it's about like getting that mindset right. It's your set and setting, making sure you're in a good place and like mentally um, because it's almost like shrooms or psychedelics in general. They exacerbate your feelings. So I've been like depressed and I've gone down a horrible rabbit hole. Mm. I've also taken shrooms like when I'm like doing good and like I'm not I'm not feeling like any like bad feelings or anything. And it's been the best trip of my life. But dosage is also very key. Dosage is absolutely key. I don't suggest like doing like a hero dose, which is like six grams plus. Um, But like just like it's just like anything else. You can you can add more as you go, but you can't take away. So Mm. like you can start off at a very low dose, like even less than a gram. And then like 
give it an hour if you're not feeling it like another half gram you know you work yeah. your way up and microdosing you're not going to trip on exactly and and it's going to give you completely different effects too because uh-huh. microdosing might last even a little bit longer right or no and like the trip itself or i mean the side effects or what do you yeah, mean? the side effects the, the, side the effects, benefits no. of microdosing oh the benefits absolutely they will last longer okay um you're taking over a, over a longer period of time like microdosing for people really does help over time um just, it's just like any antidepressant but it's also what you do with that it's yeah. what you do with yeah yeah like i'm like yeah. for me um like since i've started microdosing i've noticed how much soda I'm drinking because I'm huh. not really smoking so much right now. I'm taking a break. So I'm using soda as a vice. And I know that about myself. Huh. And like, I don't think I would have really, well, my, trust me, my wife has mentioned it, but I wouldn't have seen it inward. Like I don't believe so without having the microdose pills because it's not something I would have looked at. Mm. It's not something I think about. Like when my depression hits, like I'm like a wall, like it just hits me like a wall. And I just, I'm like a zombie. I'm just going through the motions. Ever since I started microdosing, it's really helped me. And it's and the research backs that up too. Oh, a hundred percent. Again, Mark Swagger on my podcast, he he backs up everything you're saying. And this is what he does. He's a P he's got a PhD and gosh, I forgot what it was, but his current research is in psychedelics and Kratom research on how Mm -hmm. it affects the mind and and the benefits behind it. I used to take Kratom weekly and but again, Kratom, it's good in the correct dose in the correct dose yeah. it's not something you just go and grab a bag of it at your local head shop and you just pour it in like <laughs> well, what's the, what's the nursing school uh with the dosaging the is five it? the five right right route dose time five hours five yeah so that's a very common thing even so even with prescription any, drugs any drug yeah any drug, any no drug in general is, yeah legal, soda, illegal. water you can die from water mm-hmm. from hyperhydrating it, anything can it. be abused anything so can dosage. be abused and anything can also be helped well, yes. not anything can be helpful but and it's not going to be a cure that's okay. yeah no silver bolt in life no yeah. and like i've read because if there is a microdosing subreddit on reddit of as course well. there is there's a Yo, reddit, yeah, reddit has everything <sighs> but the microdosing one is like people talk about you know like oh i'm having these great feelings but then when i stop microdosing it just goes away and it's like you're not really doing anything with the information you got from that like I can say all day like, oh, I'm drinking too much soda. But if I keep going to buy a six pack of Pepsi, I'm not doing anything with that. Like, like for me, shrooms are giving me the knowledge of like, oh, I can fix these things in my life. And it's also helping my depression a little. But unless I actually take the action, it's moot. Like, it's just Mm. it doesn't matter. Hmm. So you started doing a lot of this in a very tumultuous time in your life i'd say so. whenever mm-hmm. you're, you're literally leaving a religion that um that trip that we talked about that yeah. first trip i spent the first hour of it crying in the carpet like because huh. i was in like i wasn't in a good headspace huh. and it was it wasn't fun religious yeah. trauma as you said yeah yeah like that's a thing that's a very big it, thing it absolutely yeah. is and you know i've i've been told that you know a lot of my depression could stem from that and yeah. i do believe that as a huge part of it well it's um, because like you can never live up like never being worthy that's the biggest thing and the thing was that like my sister was the good one like she was the, she's the very she's very holier than now like yeah. and she still is to this day and like i was always like i just could never live up to that standard mm, it's standards man standards and expectations it's is what is the framework of our entire world Mm -hmm. you think about it both in religion and work and friendships like it like why why does conflict occur yeah 
Why does conflict occur? It's because some expectation was not met. Exactly. And sometimes you don't even know that expectation was there. Right. Like you like we we project expectations on people without even realizing it. No matter what it is, whether it's marriage, like think about it, like whenever last time your wife, you know, really pissed you off. Like, why did she piss you off? I don't know what the situation. I don't want to know. But, you know. No, let me tell you. Let me tell you. (laughs) As you're sitting right here. Congratulations. Here's counseling with Caleb. (laughs) I'm so sorry. We're recording this for all to see. (laughs) But I think it's it's all about expectation. Like, like you're mad because you had an expectation on her. Like, I wanted her to give me a hug, but I didn't communicate. I wanted a hug because I had a shit day at work. Yes. And so then I'm like, I get home and I'm like, okay, she didn't give me a hug. I'm just going to be grumpy. She doesn't love me. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, because she didn't give me a hug. Mm-hmm. But that's a projection of your expectation. Right. And that's that's all life is, but it's it's compounded within religions like JW mm-hmm. and a lot of forms of Christianity, depending on the church right. <laughs> you right. go to. Um, across the board, Islam, religion in general is all about expectation and not meeting those expectations. That's why conflict occurs. Right. So it seems like that's a huge issue, a huge root of, can you take your phone off the table? Thank you. No, you're good. Uh, as a huge issue of what you've experienced mm-hmm. and why that was probably such a huge mind blast for you kind of coming to that real realization that may like it's i just can't live up like why maybe right. my i mean you walked me through that first hour what was that like it was just um it was just dark like i felt okay so this is weird um i was face down in the carpet sobbing like i was just sobbing like and i didn't know why um, and I, like when I would shut my eyes, like it felt like I was just like alone in a dark room and it was just like that loneliness of like not feeling like anyone, anyone cave to shit because I was out hanging out with worldly people. I was doing drugs. Like I was living, a, I was living a second life mm. and that guilt follows you. Like, and at the time I was dating a quote unquote worldly girl, which was just absolutely <laughs> unheard of. Like you don't do that. Hmm. Um, and so like, it was all that guilt and it was just like, I couldn't, I couldn't let go of it. And I didn't realize that either. Hmm. But like, it was just like me, I felt like I was hallucinating the fuck out of everything. And, uh, it was me in front of, um, a totem pole and it just it's like what you're seeing right now that, that was what i was saying so you see your face down on the carpet for an hour balling your eyes up and you see a totem pole and i see a totem pole and it just that totem pole was like it it was saying something to me essentially saying that like you're never gonna reach the top Ooh. yeah Sheesh. you're never gonna like you're never gonna like surpass your sister and like unless you start studying and you do all the things and it was things i didn't want to do it was mm. things i didn't agree with it was a lot of that and so it was just like sounds like the human problem of always wanting to be fully known but because we are afraid of being fully known we'll never be fully loved yeah everybody wants to be fully known to our core mm-hmm. but yeah if i if i like uh, if i yeah like i didn't tell my parents that i was dating my wife until like like six seven months like mm-hmm. yeah about seven months and it was just having to hide it and it's weird it's weird being an adult hiding stuff from your parents like it doesn't make it doesn't it doesn't correlate and your parents know you're lying because like what parent doesn't know when their kid is lying is there a level of independence that needs to be that needs to occur whenever you actually like get married and and are fully out no 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 like you like if your parents are witnesses and you're a witness like it's all everybody's in each other's business yes huh a hundred percent and 
you don't have like they separation. They, yeah, like at least twice a year, there's a talk at the Sunday meeting about living a double life because mm. it's just like to weed out those people that are feeling guilty. And I was I was feeling guilty. Like whenever I just tripping, I realized how much that guilt set in. So what happened then? Um, um, toward like shrooms don't last that long. Probably like four hours ish, maybe six, depending on your dosage. Um, after the crying, uh, I got which locked. by the way, the crying is has a really good effect on your psyche. Like it, it was the best cry, cry of my life. Yeah. I can honestly say I do I do yeah. not remember a lot of cry. <laughs> I don't remember a lot of cries in my life. I will never forget that cry. Huh. It was. I've like it was and plus I was I, I'd gone through my divorce like eight months prior to that and uh, so I never really you got a lot of baggage I never really had the closure for that or like Oof. dealt with that and so then it was like that was a lot of the crying too it was just like a lot of things so what was being cried out literally physically through your tears was a divorce that you that was a, that occurred that you never processed at the same time of your entire worldview being crushed yes Cool. Yeah. What happened next? It was a great trip. <laughs> um, and then uh, set and setting people. Set and setting. People. Set and setting. Yeah. Um, shortly thereafter, I got lost in Alice in Wonderland because <laughs> it is bright. <laughs> she convinced me to go put it on. Oh, we, had, we had Alice in Wonderland playing in one room and Charlie in the Chocolate Factory in the other I room. I cannot like, imagine what that would have been like. It was fun. And so um, <laughs> I remember uh, after a while, um, I went and found. Uh, my now wife and uh she was a uh, painting in the other room and she was her trip was coming down too and i brought us a joint and uh, we started smoking it and we decided to go on a walk and that's when we went outside and sat under a tree and i looked at the ants and like mm. just started doing comparisons like they're looking like i just assume ants are looking at us like gods but like in my head i was like oh my god they they see us and we're like that's very something. philosophical though they're, like they're like they see us credence Mm. Yeah, like. So well, do you feel like God is on the midst of crushing you, in the midst I, of crushing you? I felt like that in the time because I was living a double life, and it was like, mm. like you know, they scare you because they're like Armageddon, like nobody knows when it's gonna happen. It could happen tomorrow, so you better not be living a double life. So it's fear-based mongering, exactly. Oh, oh <laughs> dude, it is completely like exactly what our culture is, is doing currently. Exactly, and so like you want to fess up to your sins because what if Armageddon's tomorrow? then you're fucked like you're you're gonna die like you don't get to enjoy paradise you don't get to see your family all this work you've done just down the drain because you didn't admit to something and so like <sighs> that's so heavy it is and so like nobody can carry that shit bro <laughs> nobody joe's witnesses do like i mean everybody's coming to the breaking point I mean, that was mine and that was mine it was <clears throat> like just staring like this ant crawling on my hand and it, it stung me and i was Ooh. and i remember thinking like i could just i could kill it like and the, it was just this weird mind fuck of like this, like you have this power and huh. it was just, it, it, it shook me. It shook me to my core because wow. it was like the veil had been lifted and I, I had questions. I had a lot of questions. And every time I, I got, like, like, I remember like, you know, trips finished. Um, eventually like I went over to my parents' house and like I started asking questions and it was all led back to just read our literature don't don't go outside of this don't look on the internet like that's mm. apostate or pagan material like just stay within this realm and it like at the time like i was going back to college um and i was taking english and 
had to do a paper and I remember you had to get like sources from everywhere. You couldn't just pick one specific mm -hmm. author or one specific set of books and get all your resources from that. You had to get resources from everywhere to prove and your they had point. to be opposite. Exactly. Yeah. Like you had to be countering each other and yeah. stuff like that. Well, it, it, before you jump on, it's interesting because like in my humanities class, very similar, like, why do we do that? It's because, um, whenever you have one opposite source and you have this opposing source, they could be coming, come, could be coming from completely different perspectives. Everybody has an inherent biases that you can't defeat. Mm -hmm. We're born with it. Bottom line. Uh, no matter where you came from, you can't get rid of bias. It is always there. Right. So when you have one source was well, CNN, we have CNN over here. We have Fox News over here. Mm -hmm. And then we have five local newspapers. The point where they talk about the same thing is what is true. Exactly. <laughs> that where, where they meet in the middle is what you can base an entire paper off of. And that's what's not happening currently. Yeah. And with the Jehovah's Witnesses, that's not the case. It is that's crazy. use their literature and then you can find your answer. Do you think that's from your founding brother or the guy before him? The uh, I would assume the founding brother because he started the Watchtower and Track Society. Well, the founding brother was the 1870 guy. Right. And then the Rutherford, Rutherford was the 1914 guy. Mm -hmm. Russell was uh, the 18. Yeah, Russell was the 18. That's that's the original, I think. I think the Russell, I think, was the original. And then... From 1870s to 1914, 1940s when Rutherford took over, yeah. and that became the new sect. Yeah. So I'm curious if that Rutherford was what started a lot of these uh, things you're talking the, about now. I guess rules yeah. or guidelines. That really that's what he's. That's what they said. Is is whenever he started it, it like it jumped into this I mean, crazy it, expectation it, rule book. It makes it makes sense, and <sighs> but that's how you keep him in your religion because it's like oh I looked in control and power yeah I looked in our index and oh my god like do you it, think government is a religion? It's a form. Yeah. It's a form like, because it's it's you, you're, everything you're saying is very similar to what's currently happening with governments worldwide today this is why i don't this is why i don't get involved in it like i i stay neutral in essentially everything now because of this is that good or bad it's bad it's bad not to have an opinion not to vote like it's but it's also one of those things that it's like i'm so burned out of yeah. like being in it because with Jehovah's witnesses that i'm just i i got at a certain point you're just like fuck it it doesn't matter yeah. like the only one that knows my opinion is my wife like yeah. if yeah. i have a strong opinion towards something i'll talk to her about it but other than that I stay out of it. Mm. I res and I, like I'll talk to people about it, and I'll respect their opinion, but I probably won't give mine. Is there a standard of truth? What do you mean? In what sense? Everybody has their opinions on things, and there's people who are just straight up neutral because they don't want to deal with it anymore because it's all just a moot like, point. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter because we're all gonna die, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, there was a TikTok I saw. It's a dude. Is like a probably twenty year old dude skateboarding down. I think it was probably Venice Beach or something like that. And he was just smiling and then he turned around and he goes, everybody's going to die. Like, <laughs> just smiling, like laughing. Jamie, pull it up. <laughs> well, once I start video recording, that's what that's going to be a thing. I'll have a monitor here that oh, we can actually yeah. watch stuff. Um, but it's true. Like, mm -hmm. whenever we think about death, we're all going to die. It really doesn't matter. Exactly. To a point. Though. Exactly. No, and I agree. Like, okay, so... I've already acknowledged that I smoke weed. Obviously, I'm pro marijuana. Yeah. So if 
there was a chance for us to vote on that. Like that is something I view strongly enough to be like, oh, like I'll take a vote on it. See, I don't smoke weed. I'm pro marijuana because cool. I'm glad we can continue <laughs> to be friends. But that's because because the research shows otherwise. Right. And for me, it's, you know, it's, I'm just for some different. people, for some people will be science based or evidence based practice. Yeah, that's me. For me, for me, yeah. it's like I have enjoyed this drug mine since middle school. Like, <laughs> I've enjoyed and, I, and I'm not an addict to yeah. it. So like, I, like I said, I'm taking a, a addict. Yeah, quote unquote, <laughs> or, um, but like I'm taking a tolerance break right now and I'm not going through withdrawal symptoms. I'm not I'm not getting hmm. the shakes. I'm not like I'm not feeling like dog shit like. If anything, I feel clearer yeah. because I'm like, oh, like I was well, living I, yeah. in the clouds, you know? Well, again, applying a cost-benefit analysis, marijuana by far has far more benefits than alcohol, bottom line. Bottom line. Yeah, medicinal, all of the above. And that's, that's first anything with like LSD and shrooms. And the exactly. research is showing and like, it. And those are my drugs of choice. Yeah. Like I stick with psychedelics but and I dose, stick with weed. Dose. Everything, everything comes down to being smart about it. Yeah. Don't just take a handful like you wouldn't go into like a medicine cabinet and just pour a bunch of random pills in your mouth like hand and be like oh like, yeah. i think this is gonna yeah. this is gonna do the job let's take 20 and pills of tylenol exactly before you you know unless you have these chronic headaches you wouldn't treat a headache before you get one like you're not necessarily like you want to be careful of what you're doing and too yeah exactly like, be sure of what you're trying to treat so so how do you do that though you just have to if you're, if you're talking, then if you're going to spill it, you better put your mouth on the mic. It's fine. Seriously. Or at least just get it. It's got an arm, so just extend it. So, so if, if we're all if we're all trying to understand life and we're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't, mm-hmm. how do we know what's too far? Um, I think you just have to really, you have to look inside and find out your own viewpoints, what you really, what you're anxious about, what makes you sad, what makes you mad. Like you really have to understand those things about yourself because if you don't, they can really get out of hand. Do you think that's what experimental trials does? Um, I do. Like, to a degree? Yeah, you can you can move it if you want. I think that people like push themselves so far that they, you know, force this psychosis or force this, force this psychedelic break when in all reality, you sh- you probably shouldn't have. You should have just kind of like, kind of acknowledged what you were getting into and kind of dealt with it as it unravels. So, yeah, so a lot of people jump to these type of drugs out of pain. And cure, they want to cure. Yeah, they're they trying to figure, trying to f- cure all, and you still have to do the mental work. You still have to- cur- What does st- mental work mean though? You still have to deal with your anxieties and your insecurities and your failures and acknowledge them and let them go. You can't dwell on them, you can't. Having the like having the hard conversation with yourself. Yeah. Like, but nobody wants to do that. Yeah. How do we do that? You you guys have gone through some stuff, mm-hmm. some stuff stuff. So, you guys have authority and credence in this arena. So how do you deal with your stuff? That that's a human problem, right? Yeah. You you have to feel it. You have to cry. You have to hurt. You have to be sad. Um, a lot of people don't want to deal with that part of their past because it sucks. Like you don't want to have to relive that moment, but you unfortunately have to in order to get through it. The processing, yeah. the actual trauma. The actual process of healing through whatever trauma it was or whatever incident it was or whatever. You know, you brought up something that was pretty interesting earlier uh, whenever we were talking about the you know, Florida bombing and, or, and uh, McAfee and all that stuff. Um, we were talking about some of the things with your past and things that occurred. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned how some of these drugs with marijuana and, and LSD gave you a buffer zone to breathe for a minute mm-hmm. so that you'd have the ability to process it in a healthy way. Yeah, um, whenever you are just overwhelmed by feelings, sometimes it's easy to get carried away in those. 
um, let's say you're sad about something that happened in your past, it's easy to rabbit hole from that and just be sad all the time and just feel that hurt all the time. And eventually that becomes too much for somebody mm. and, you know, they take the next step. You know, being high, you know, smoking weed, whatever, it gives you that moment to breathe. You don't have to think about it for a second. You don't constantly have to live it. You get to have a moment to yourself and say, like, okay, I'm good right now. I'm yeah. okay. I can make it to the next day type thing. Yeah. Like, some people take Xanax. Other people smoke weed. Like, it's yeah. just, an, uh, you know. Are they, are they equally beneficial? Because I've never, I've never like, per- Personally, I don't think Xanax is beneficial long term. Like, all you're doing is just, like, kicking a can down the road. Like, eventually, you're going to have to pick that can up. What does that mean? Um, yeah, you can, you can re- readjust if you need. <laughs> um, like, Flip it around. By the way, there you go. There. Um, you, uh, like, you know, taking a Xanax, in my opinion, like, for someone who has taken Xanax, um, all you're doing is just, like, if you need to pick up litter on the road and you just keep kicking it with along, like, along with you, no matter what, you're eventually going to have to pick that thing up. Mm. But all you're doing is just delaying the inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and anxiety and stress, like eventually it, it reaches a point that like, no matter how long you ignore it, eventually you're going to have to deal with it. Mm. Whereas weed for me personally, it was like for the next 30 minutes, like I was just calm. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't stressing me out. It wasn't like I wasn't dealing with it necessarily, but it wasn't just being ignored in my opinion. Um, cause you know, Xanax will last all day. Weed, yeah. 30 minutes, you know, and depending on how much you smoke. But like, and then after that 30 minutes, it was like, okay, let's get back to work. So you went from uh, not really not really smoking a whole lot growing up. I mean, you smoke, you smoke occasionally, right? Probably like, it wasn't much. When I was in middle school, high school, it was like, I think, I, what did I tell you? Like, like once a quarter, like, yeah, yeah it was not, like. Not a whole lot. No, like and then, three, two to five times a year. And then this borderline trigger in your life of, of, of a realization of where you're at with Jehovah's Witness mm-hmm. sparked a whole lot of other things. You, right. You started tripping a lot more in shrooms. You uh, smoking every day. I just became a habitual smoker at All that right. point. Like it was, it now, lasted a long time. Now, was that a masking of the pain or a way to process? I think it was me thinking, I think subconsciously I was masking the pain. What I thought I was doing was like, oh, I'm just a stoner, so this is what I do. So it's like your identity. Yeah, like 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 you said, I became that became my identity at the hospital. Like I was like the guy to go to if you mm-hmm. needed anything, and it was like, oh, this is like my thing. Like so when be- I when I started dating my wife, like I was the one that was like hooking her up, and so like it was uh, just like so I, the very thing that the Jehovah's Witnesses were doing. <laughs> so the very thing that Jehovah's Witnesses were doing in uh highlighting people to rank up to have a voice almost was the exact same thing that occurred with you being a drug dealer Mm -hmm. you get status yeah you got known you got to know people and make more friends interesting i made great friends yeah and i'm sure to this day yeah absolutely i mean with yeah yeah (laughs) we know people we know people (laughs) but it it does like it absolutely interesting it, it absolutely it was a different route for me. Yeah. It was like, you, cause like, so. Which are well, funny well, enough. I, by, by the way, I, I don't want to like downplay Cause like what you're experiencing now is every person's uh, Achilles heel. Like everybody wants to be known. Right. And have that status and have that, 
that longing to uh, make friends and and be in relationship and be in community. So mm-hmm. I get what you're saying. Yeah, and it, it's like a gang, you know. Like yeah. you know, it's yeah. just like it's a new family. Yeah. Um, and like for me, like. I, I like the attention. Like everyone yeah. would come to me whenever they needed something. And it was like, Oh, like if I brought you, like if I brought it to someone's house, they'd be like, Oh, hang out and yeah. smoke with me or do like, let's just like, let's just chill and watch the game or something. It was and a it very was like, community based thing. And it was friends that I didn't have that I could be myself around. Mm. And so that, I think that's what led like kept me doing that. Because so what was yourself then? If that was your new self, what was that new self? I just, I didn't, I didn't have an identity and that was nice. Like my identity was not having one. I wasn't a Jehovah's Witness. I wasn't huh. uh, like, I wasn't you part of Frank. any religion. I was, yeah, that's huh. exactly right. I was just Frank cool. and like, I was a stoner. Like yeah. I liked smoking. Like people liked me smoking with Cause them. Cause there was like, like no stress. You could just shoot the shit and be cool. And then I could leave. Like simple yeah. as that. Like, <laughs> was, like I was gone. Like just like that. Uh, and you then had no expectation or obligation to talk to them for every day the next exactly. 10 months <laughs> like let's be real their their supply would last them like a week or two and then they call me again and we do it all over yeah, again yeah. you know like and that was it like, it's cool because that's that's built a, a community with in what you were doing mm-hmm. honestly because mm-hmm. you were the go-to guy and the common thread of all this was weed yeah but because of the common thread of being weed it did develop the same community that most people strive for that's why loneliness and survivorship usually doesn't work because community is a necessity. Right. That's very interesting. And like, well, like I can, I, I wouldn't, I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for my wife because like, Aww. she gave me that. You can give her a kiss right now if you want. No, I'm okay. <laughs> oh, she, <laughs> her mouth just dropped open. She's like, oh no, you better kiss me now. Um, she, she helped me work through a lot of things that I didn't even realize I needed to work through. Hmm. It was a lot of realizing like, oh, like my, even my thinking about things was wrong. Like even whenever I woke up and like realized like there was something wrong with the Jehovah's Witnesses, like I, I wouldn't say that they were a cult. I wouldn't like it was to me, it was just like, oh, it's just a fucked up religion. So what brought you to that point though, of calling on a cult? Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all honesty, like going through the XJW subreddit, like, and reading other people's experiences. Cause like the what? Oh yeah. Like, so there's a full on community of, of people who have left the, the religion and now they've connected because of that. And it's, and so there's like two types of people on the subreddit. Um, they're called P I M O or, or P I M I or P O M O. So three types. And it's how many? There's 65,000 members on that subreddit. Wow. And it's literally just a community of people that have like been disfellowshipped. Um, or they're, go- or they just have questions. Yeah. Like I've seen people who aren't even Jehovah's Witnesses and they're like, some people came to my door. Like, can y'all explain to me what this religion is? Huh. And, and what I was saying earlier, the initials PIMI is physically in and mentally in. So like you'd see like an elder say like, I'm physically in and mentally in, but I have questions. Yeah. So they're going to meetings. That's physically in okay. and mentally in. I believe it still. Um, then there's like physically out and mentally out, which is, I don't go to meetings anymore and I'm no longer believing it. And that's what I am. Okay. And then there's physically in and mentally out. So like, I'm going to meetings just to keep this facade going, but I'm, I don't believe this shit. And you stayed there for a minute. I was there for a very long time. Okay. And, um, it was reading other people's experiences. Cause like, I didn't have bad, other than like getting in trouble for like 
being with other, like getting with girls before I was married or uh, pornography, like I didn't have bad experiences. Like I didn't have elders that were constantly judging me when I was younger. Mm. But reading other people's experiences, I was like, wow, like there's a lot of stuff that's just rushed under the rug. Mm. Like, and, like what? Well, like in Australia about six months ago, uh, there was a child sex abuse thing. But here in the States, and they're like they went to like I guess it's their highest version of court. I don't know if that's what the prime minister or what in Australia or yeah, within uh, Australia. Okay. Um, but the Joseph's got caught like hiding sexual abuse things, like not reporting it to the proper authorities. So because they the were Catholic church, but the Catholic church actually it, has money. It, <laughs> that's exactly, the that's the huge difference. <laughs> And so, and then like same thing in Russia. Russia uh, labeled Jehovah's Witnesses as a terrorist group. Really? Yeah, you cannot be a Jehovah's Witness in Russia currently. Like you will be arrested. Can you be a Christian in Russia? I don't know. Wasn't relevant to me at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so like, but like here in the States, like I asked my parents about the Australia thing when it happened and nobody's heard of it. And my mom wouldn't look it up either. <laughs> Yeah, former Jehovah's Witnesses uh, speak about child abuse. Says it was covered up, mm-hmm. but that's also that's every religion. That is you every, can find no, it. It, and it absolutely it's, is. It's a human problem. It is, but for this for this religion to say like, oh, we're transparent about everything, just like every religion says, but like they're like, oh, we're transparent and like y'all like we we tell y'all when things are going on. Like whenever the Russian thing happened, they were labeled as a terrorist organization. In the what they had our congregations do was write letters to the Russian government. My freaking dog about to break my window. I know a good window guy. <laughs> do you? Oh, you're Mexican. That's right. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm your window guy. <laughs> um, Go away, Bill. Nobody likes you. Bill's my dog. Oh. You broke my mic. Good job. Sorry. Mark it. Not just uh, there's the. Yep. Sorry about that. No, I don't care. What? No, that one's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just that one. It was just flopped over. What was I saying? I don't remember. So, um, you leave JW. Mm -hmm. I fade out. You fade out. Yeah. What does that do? Because your entire life, no no matter what you believe, anything that changes that drastically has to have some sort of effect. So, where are you at now? Like. Where you at with like the idea of religion or the idea of God? Are they synonymous? Are they separate? Where is that? To be honest with you, I don't know. Yeah. And that's like, kind of curious. Like, or are you curious at all? Are you just kind of like just done with it? For me personally, it was more so being done with it. It's mm, uh, I can see that. Like, I believe that there's, I don't know what I believe. And that's the thing. Like, you know, you're told something your entire life and then finding out that that's not true. It's yeah. like, you don't really want to. <laughs> grasp onto other things but like my wife is Christian and so like I will pray with her and you know I'll, I'll do what she wants to do in that sense but like for me it's like I'm not going to seek it out huh well, okay so I, I feel what you're saying because uh, I'm Christian but I also have to like anytime I say I'm a Christian I have to preface, preface it <laughs> because of like how How's weird it? Christians are today I have to almost say like okay here's Here's what I believe. I believe that God is the Father. I, think, I believe the Trinity. I think that Jesus was the God. Right. That it, like the, the idea of expectation that we've all been talking about, I don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. And because I don't have to worry about expectation or any type of 
anything like like the Ten Commandments that's already been filled by Jesus, I can just chill. Right. But because of that knowing, like I I actually want to do more. <laughs> so the the source of me wanting to do my works and my action is completely different. Mm-hmm. The source of it is I just want to love people. Like I just I just want to like yeah yeah. It sounds like a hippie you know shroom and LSD type of guy, but bro, I just like I want to know people. Mm-hmm. I want people to be known. Everybody's right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's sad today that we'll have to say, oh, I'm a Christian, but because Christians, it's automatically synonymous with very similar traits to JWs mm-hmm. and judgmental, yeah. like conditional, yeah. love, you, but it, homophobia, but they, like, but they, exactly. It's, it's but a they, whole nother, they tout that mm-hmm. they tout, even Christians tout that, you know, we're not judgmental and that we're not this or not that, but the actions are speaking differently. First one to turn somewhere. Or like exactly. the first per- or your mom being the one to take you to the elders. Like yeah, it's just yeah. it's that it's that uh, liability that they hold over you. They're like, oh, I don't want you to get in trouble, so I'm gonna take care of this. Like and mm. they try to like save you almost. And they in their head, they are saving you. They're doing what's best for you. And that's why like like for me it's hard for, like I can't hold resentment to my mom or I can't hold resentment to the elders who talk to me because it's like they all think in my in my heart, like I believe that they thought they were trying to help me and they were trying to save me. So can love be conditional? N- not in my opinion, but they try to. But they make it seem like it can be. They tell you it's unconditional love, but then when someone decides they don't want to be Jehovah's Witness anymore, you're expecting it's not to talk to them. But that's through love. You're like, like mm. you love this person so much, you're gonna stop talking to them so that they want to come back and talk to you. So are conditions and expectations the same? mean if love that whiskey got me i know bro, i get it i get it i'm about to t- i'm about to pour myself another drink um if love is like if you can't have love without um condition or expectation are they the same thing so that does that mean that expectations and love are separate or the same so our so first off are conditions and expectations the same to you if you have a conditional statement on somebody and an expectation on somebody are they synonymous or are they, is it based on context? I would, you know. I know it's, it's weird. It's a weird it question. Is weird. It is a weird question. But this, this is a very concept about love. Like when you love your wife. It's not because of the expectation. It's So why do you love her? That's unconditional. I don't like, I think that's but what, then, like, but like, and I understand what you're saying, but like if she, let's say she did something. Like she said something mean to me or like we got into an argument. She's crossed the line. I hate your nipples. She yeah. said it before. She said it to you. I heard it. Yeah. Your nipples are fat. I get it. They're huge. But I like um, it. <laughs> okay. um, like it would hurt my feelings, but it wouldn't stop me loving her. Like if she, if I heard her like yell or if I heard her she fall down, like it wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, get your ass up yourself. <laughs> like I would run to her side and be like, like, like regardless if we're fighting, like I'd be worried about her. And so I, that's what, unconditional love is to me is like no matter what happens or no matter what's said to someone to have that love for them um will never go away I mean, well it's, it's definitely like separating the action from the person yeah. there's a very they starch difference yeah and i guess can you have love um, with condition and with expectation. No. So it's all so. unconditional and all not expectation. But we also we. But we're also human. 
We and we have expectations, and we project expectations and conditions on people without yeah. even realizing it. Oh, a hundred percent. It's like not. It's when you're not communicating your like your shit to someone, and then they like do yeah. something that you didn't you didn't want them to do, but you also didn't state it. It's like huh. it's on you, kind of, but you're still gonna take it out on them because you're frustrated most of the time. So if if every religion is based on love, so every religion is literally like we we love God, God loves you. Right. Whether it's Buddha, whether it's Hinduism, it's all got some really. And every religion has some really cool traits. Not gonna lie. Oh uh, yeah, very, absolutely. Very Ever cool since wisdom. leaving, I've looked into other religions, yeah. and I'm like, oh, oh I, that makes I like sense. this, and I like yeah. this, and yeah. take away a little bit from uh-huh. each one, and it's like, oh, like, but the like what, you, what you're condition. saying where everything meets is love, like for religion. So again, if love is all about condition. How can you have love without condition? Hmm. That's what I've tried to like figure out. That's a mind fuck. Yeah. Huh. And the only, for me, I'm not trying to convert you or whatever. Like, I'll do, do it. Fucking sounds you want. like it. I know, but like, for, I'm, I got I'm some very... dope ass literature at my mom's house. If you're interested. <laughs> a lot of dust, but yes, please. You... Yes, please. A lot of dust. But like, again, condition and expectation. The only one that I can get that I've realized that has zero of those within humanity is what we call Christianity. But unfortunately, Christianity has that bad rep like we're talking about. Right. Like literally Christianity is the only one that says you don't have to do anything to earn love. Love is just there right. no matter what you do without expectation or without condition. And so that's the only one that makes sense to me because you can't have love. Like you can't love somebody with condition or else it wouldn't be love. But humanity right. is inherently obsessed with love. Can you still have Yeah, yeah, but like again, we're talking about uh, like uh, like well, we're we're not just talking about okay. We expect you to be healthy and brush your teeth, and right. you know right. we expect like You're we expect to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, <sighs> like you can't have like but like what we were just talking about just, just a second ago. Um, how how JW was all about putting in the time, mm-hmm. the expectation of. God does not love you unless you have the most amount of hours on the time clock. It's not so much that God doesn't love you, but it's just that like you're not doing as best as you can for God. You're not giving but God still your still conditions and expectations and every religion has that. Right. Okay. The only one that doesn't have that, that I've figured out is what Jesus did. Now I could be wrong. I don't think so. Because I've I've done a whole lot of like that's the only one that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like, is everybody? It's the God question. Like, is there a God? Right. Are we alone? Like, why do I feel hope? Why do I feel love? Like, how can you have love without expectation and hope and condition? Yet every so religion is the lens of how we view God, right? Okay. Religion is the lens of how we view God. All right. But every religion, no matter what way you look at it, has a set of standards you have to adhere to mm-hmm. to be able to see and be accepted by God. Every religion, even modern day Christianity has that lens. It's called the Ten Commandments. Right. But the only one I've been able to figure out like that is the most area, like how do we thrive? Like how, how, when you when you succeed, we're talking about earlier about the karma that has come to you guys as, as mm-hmm. of late. It's like really cool. Mm-hmm. Like it's an area of succession. Like it's it's. Like you want to keep doing it. It's an area of thriving. Right. Um, I judge success in like what is good by areas of thriving. Like, is this overall an area of thriving for your life? 
the only way that at least for my wife and I to thrive in today's world is to understand love in the condition of what true Christianity is supposed to be. Mm. And that's because okay. it's without condition and expectation. Cause I can just be me knowing that I'm loved. Right. Like I don't need my wife to love me for me to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I, if, if I had that mindset of my wife needing to always be okay uh, in both our sides, then I, it's gonna, it's a never ending battle because she's human right? and I'm human. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But that can't be my standard. My wife's love can't be my standard of how I live my life. And I just find it interesting how we, even as I learned, as I've learned so much about JWs and religion and where you've come from, um, it's, it's so fascinating how it literally all, everything comes back, back down to expectation and condition, or if you just want to boil down to one word expectation, right. everything does. Oh yeah. Uh, I'd agree and with that. how do we get past that? Because that's not an area of thriving expectation. If we continually expect people to do things and they always fail to do it, it's a never ending battle. Mm-hmm. And the only way to get past that is to realize they're like the only person who, uh, fulfill those expectations. was like, okay, God. Mm-hmm. And he came down as a man, and that's so f- you're and you're trying to live up to his standard. I you're literally, believe, yeah, you don't. I don't have the right. I don't need to exactly. But like that, you're. Almost, but that's the expectation. But I don't need for to. Jehovah's Witnesses at least. But I know I get that. Yeah. But see, I don't need to mm-hmm. because because he came down as a man, like Jesus, who was the Father, the Trinity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus, the Son of God, who's also God, came down as a man. He fulfilled the law, so I don't have to. Right. Like I don't have to worry about the Ten Commandments. Like I want to now because I don't have to worry about it. I, I kind of want to, okay, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I get to just chill with anybody I want to and like live life because and learn and learn. Yeah. And that's literally the, <laughs> the source of this podcast. I want to learn. I want to know from people's uh, lives, like what they learn so that they can impart that wisdom to me. And mm-hmm. then I can also impart that wisdom to other people. Like why the heck do you think I can have you on the podcast? I want to learn from you. Mm-hmm. But if I thought that myself was, holier than thou because I'm good at the Ten Commandments you wouldn't be sitting here no you ju- you judge me obviously n- yeah obviously mm-hmm. but like man, like, but the, if if we can tap into a life not worrying about expectations from anybody from God right the one person that we always gotta worry about is God right the higher power because mm-hmm. most for the most part most people can agree that there is a higher power from there on down it gets a little rough <sighs> we can start to interpret expectation. If we can interpret expectation in a healthy way, we can actually start thriving in life. I'd agree with that. You know, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's all I want to do, man. Like I just want to thrive. Everybody wants to succeed. Everyone wants to thrive. And that's typically not for money because even money has a, is built in the context of expectation. Exactly. Like it's just like, like you're saying, it's like, it's like a comedian who's not in it for the money, but someone who just wants to make people laugh. Like we, you just want to, you just want to do your best in that field. It's someone that like, cause you like making people happy. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just one of those things. And then there's, there's going to be good people and bad people, no matter where you are, there's yeah. going to be people who are going to be selfish and monetize it and turn it into a whole thing. And then there's people who don't. And that's every industry. Exa- oh yeah. That's not just religion. Again, human problem, whether it's religion, whether it's com- comedy, whether it's human it's- condition. Mm, preach. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped doing that. <laughs> well it's true though like it's just the human condition like you know it is what it is like some people are gonna run with it and like find a way to make 
squeeze every dime out of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then there's people that are just like genuinely like, hey, like I'm I'm living my best life and I'm living to these standards. Like I should be accepted. It's just one of those things. What, like, what do you mean? Um, that last part. What do you break that down a little further? Well, accepted in the sense of like in religion. Like if you're living to biblical standards to the T, then more than likely you're within the church. That's what I was saying. Oh, okay. I was saying like okay. as a Jehovah's Witness, like I'm living all these, doing yeah. all these things, and like yeah, yeah. expectations. There's that set of rules. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, like I, man, pleasing people just get so hard. Like, like, just worry about, like, just know that, like, we're, we're pleased by the, the God of the universe, bottom line. Mm-hmm. As, do you believe in God? Honestly? To be honest with you, like, I just believe, I don't know what I believe. Yeah. Um, You're kind of in a, just a different zone right I'm now. I'm really in limbo. To be Cool, man. I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying, yeah, it's a, I'm yeah. not saying that there is no God because like, dude, everything yeah. around here, like, I believe, like, there could be a higher power. But I also don't, I'm not like one of those people that's, I'm not an atheist. Like yeah. I just, I'm literally in limbo. Like, yeah. you know, that's cool, man. I pray with my wife and Chill there you know, for a minute. We, we just chill there for a minute. Exactly. Don't push I'm it. To, I'm going to do that for life. Yeah. Bro. Don't, like, don't, don't push it, bro. Yeah. I, I enjoy where I'm at because I'm like, we live, you know, like we try to do our best and that's all you can do. And it's like, we're not judged for that. And like, my wife doesn't judge me. She doesn't give me hell because obviously yeah (laughs) but you know it's just we're in a good middle i'm in a good middle i don't i don't really know what i believe but i'm also not preaching what like you know i'm not i'm not like bragging about it i'm like "Ah, i got nobody like (laughs) (laughs) but it's just one of those things (laughs) there's it's kind of funny you say that because there's actually a scripture that talks about how we don't really need to brag about all that Mm -hmm. um i think it's I think it's probably John, the book of John. It says, uh, like God dwell, God uh, calls people to himself. Like I, I don't have to, I don't have to call you to him. Mm-hmm. Now he might use me one day. I don't know. Really doesn't matter. Cause it's not up to me. There's right. no expectation for me to get you to, to believe one thing or another. Right. It really doesn't matter. Like I, I, I just love loving mm-hmm. and that's all, that's all we're called to do. Like bottom line. And if I can love just without any condition, man, I, don't, I think I'm succeeding. I mean, that's the goal, isn't it? Like, and if I can to... love myself too, like if you can love yourself without an expectation or condition, that's that's huge. I, that's a rarity. How how do we do that? You know, personally, it's just like for me, it's accepting my faults. It's accept. It's knowing that like if I fail, it is what it is. Like I don't. I just keep going. You pick yourself up. You keep going, and you you have those tough discussions with yourself if you don't. The what? Yeah, you learn from your past self and you move on. It's um, but it's most people can't move on, man. But and you know, like that's that's their business. Do I you guess. think LSD helped you that? Um, yeah, I do. I think psychedelics in general did. They, uh, I think and the research they, backs it. Yeah, yeah. Like I wasn't an empathetic. I wasn't as empathetic as I am. I really wasn't an empathetic person though. Um, I wasn't really patient. I had anger issues. I had a lot of pent up shit yeah after that first room trip like i really delved deep into psychedelics like it was i mean within a year we did like probably five trips in between shrooms and lsd Mm. um and it was all for a learning experience it was never like let's get fucked up today like on like the day before we go back to work or something you know (laughs) it was like let's take this time off yeah like we had a planned 
set setting yeah. everything like it wasn't like a spur of the moment okay let's trip and like <laughs> i know we gotta be at work in five hours no like it was we planned it mm, and interesting. that helped me out immensely because it was always a learning experience and it was like my wife always encouraged me to have a journal like unfortunately i was always like too I hallucinated too much to write, but like <laughs> she always gave me a journal that way I could like write down like my thoughts. Awesome. But it doesn't work whenever like you're writing and it's like watercolors and it's just dripping off the page and you're like, oh, oh. yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, but, um, for me, it was delving deeper, it was having those tough memories and tough conversations with myself of saying, like, like, why did you do this? and like why did why did the elders talk to you about this like when it was none of their business and why did you talk to them and that was like a big thing for me is like why do i keep when they request a meeting why do i keep saying yes because it would be mm. like it you get this fear of like oh man i'm in trouble like fear it's almost like when your manager like shoots you a text like hey come by my office yeah. after work you know it's yeah. like like you like you don't have a choice like yeah. he's your manager yeah. and that's like literally the thought process is like not being accepted yeah and it's like if you don't go then it's like Oh, well, Frank's messing up. Let's mm. put this in his file, you know? We're going to keep an eye on him. Dude, so why do you think that... So we're drinking alcohol right now. Yeah. We've got some whiskey in us. It seems, I've noticed every podcast tries to do that. What? Like, they either smoke or they drink a lot. Yeah. To get into these... Yeah, because I'm talking a shit ton now. <laughs> well, that's cool. Like, <laughs> but like, like, okay, so it goes back to... Expect, I'm having a mind blast right now. So um, it goes back to expectation. Like, why does it take loosening up of our brains to even get down to the truth of what we're dealing with well for me i believe it's fear-mongering i think Ooh. it's i think it's Man, like i told you I like i'm in a i feel that i'm though. an adult bro like i'm over 30 and i asked you to stay anonymous on this podcast as far as my, my last name because mm. i still don't want jehovah's witnesses to find me and then like somehow show my parents who my mom calls me and says hey I sent this to the elders, you know, or something mm. like that. Like it is that fear in you and it's an mm. irrational fear because like nobody's nobody like I don't. Yeah. Like what are they going to do to me? That's what I was going assassinate you. I haven't thought about assassination. Good idea. <laughs> Hillary Clinton is outside that door road, just waiting now. No, no, I'm not talking about McAfee, so it's all right. We're, we're okay. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, like think about it. Every deep conversation that ever occurs within a pocket, even Joe Rogan, mm -hmm. it takes outside influences to get down to the truth and nitty gritty of life, which but it lowers your, your you lower your inhibitions your the guard yeah yeah but and it's because what you're talking about fear monger we're afraid of of saying something that will not be up to the facade that we put out in the world exactly like, that's I mean, why it's taking like me you six months to be able to talk about religion and on this podcast this is why this is the deepest conversation we've had about me being a Jehovah's Witness mm. like I don't it's that I like I barely talked to my wife about it like she's the person I've talked to most about like my like everything I've dealt with with it and uh. I still don't I still don't open up as much as I probably could because it's just like it's one of those things that like I have a fleeting thought of like oh I shouldn't talk about this hmm. and then it's like why you so know why'd you accept to come on the podcast talking about it honestly for me I've gotten to a point that like I've vented, I've reached out on the XJW subreddit and I've had a lot of positive people talking to me about it. And 
it was just one of those things I found like accepted like okay this is my past and I I I do want to encourage people to do their research before joining the Jehovah's Witnesses. Like it's I'm not like if you think it's the truth by all means do you, but like do your research and like you know you're, you're always going to be discouraged from looking online and looking at other things but the XJW are people who were in the religion. There are people they were members. Mm, currently. Most of them are. Yeah. yeah, and like you know the 60,000 members I told you were on that subreddit that's just the ones that have like, like, um, followed it. That's not including people just like passing through. Like, like they're reading the same Reddit. That exactly. Because yeah. like for for years, for years yeah. I didn't join it just in case a friend of mine ever found my Reddit and then looked at what I followed and saw that. Interesting. Like, and Reddit is so anonymous, and I like, and eventually yeah. it did it, happen. Someone found me off really? of, off a picture that I had posted on my Instagram. They found it on Reddit and found me and I had posted like a couple pictures of like weed and like he, he had a talk with me and it was just like, I'm huh. thankful that he never saw the XJW stuff. So it was like huh. it, you, you have an irrational fear, but it's, it's relevant because it can really destroy your life as a Jehovah's Witness. It, if I would have got disfellowshipped. The what? Said Google religious trauma. Yeah. Religious trauma. Yeah. Um, like. There's a reason that I never officially got disfellowshipped, and it's because I'm afraid of losing my parents. I'm afraid that they're going to stop talking to me. I'm afraid that they're going to take it to that extent. And so, like, for me, fading was the right thing. And just, like, I deleted that Reddit account, made my new one, and, like, I made sure, like, nothing that I ever post on Instagram or Facebook will ever touch that. Mm. I keep keep both separate because I never want to be found again. So do you feel like you're still living a double life? No, not at all. Mm. I just... Now you're done. I'm done, but, but like I'm, I do this for my parents. I do this for yeah. my parents. I respect them. I love my parents to death. And the thought of like when I got my tattoo, um, they stopped Lower talking. Back, to me. right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a. It says Britney. Uh, Britney Spears. Nice. <laughs> I had to make that clear. I had to make that clear because. Yeah, for Britney. That's what I was going for. Just to be clear. Oh, man. Oh, that was great. Um, But, uh, no, when I got my second tattoo, like, my parents stopped talking to me. I told you this for, like, two or three yeah. weeks. Yeah. And it was, like... Just because of the tattoo. Just because of the tattoo. Because wow. the Jehovah's Witnesses frown upon that. And you're not supposed to mark your body. Um, It's just, like... <clears throat> that right there is enough to make me just not want to put it all the way out there. Like, oh, this is yeah. my whole name. And yeah. This was the congregation. Well, I'm not friends with your uh, your parents on Facebook, so it kind of works. Exactly. So it'll be yeah. fine. They said <laughs> hi, by the way. <laughs> they, said hi? they ask about the goddamn piano. <laughs> do you tell them I play it every day? I, I do. I yeah. Do. Yeah. The piano that your parents gave me that now I'm having a podcast about their son who's excommunicado and I'm publishing it. <laughs> yeah. That one. That one. Those parents. But like, they just, you know, for me. Like, it's not so much as living a second life. It's just like I'm doing whatever I can to protect my parents. Mm. I don't ever want to put them in a position that they have to choose between their religion and their son. It's a, You would think it'd be an easy decision. I don't, actually. Really? No, not at all. For me, that was... Like, for me, I see it as an easy decision. I would always choose my, my son. Yeah. But... Yeah, but no, it's, it's less... I, I get what you're saying. I, don't get me wrong where I, I think it'd be an easy decision. It's just that... I see how religion and familial ties are very dicey. 
uh, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's just it is dicey. It's a it's a lot of um, conditions because again, your parents are just wanting to love you the best way that they know how, and they want and they think that like you can't leave the religion or you'll die. So like yeah. they're saving me, you know, yeah. and so like that two to three weeks that they didn't talk to me after I got my tattoo, it was hell. Like, like it was I'm sorry bro Like I'd call my parents And it'd just be like The shortest conversation Like They wouldn't ask me How I'm doing Like it was nothing It was just like I would ask a couple questions How their day was and stuff Like one word answers Okay bye uh, That was it It was weird And like that, that That And it I get why When people leave They come back Because they They don't have anyone like they don't have a community. Yeah. Like I told you, I grew up with like four best friends. I don't talk to any of them anymore. Like Mm. I talked to one guy. I'm so glad you're my friend. Hey, likewise. Honestly. Thank you. Legit, bro. It's, it's so. We play Call of Duty now. I know. I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) But like, it was like not having them anymore. It was, it's weird because like even my wife would be like, why are you trying to reach out? Cause like I'd reach out a shit ton and with no to your other friends, yeah, yeah, and like nothing, like you know, and it'd just be like you go to meetings, and I'm like oh no, and then that's it. Or you go to like if you talk to anyone about Jehovah, like no, mm. and like they always led the conversation there if they talked to me. A little um, brainwashing, huh? Yeah, and and that's what it is, and so like, yeah, where well, I don't even know where I was going with that, but like it just no, like with your parents, and it, it's a very hard line to, to walk it is and, th- and that's where i was going with it with my parents it was just like i can deal with them not talking to me it is what it is like my friends left whatever yeah but it's like my parents i can't lose yeah and i know ne- and like so what's, and what's it, gonna happen when they die you know probably just gonna get tatted from the base <laughs> down you know just like just, just go on <laughs> you know just getting it all done no i mean like how are, how are you going to be when they die? I mean, like any child is going to be upset yeah. about their family's, their parents' deaths. But yeah. like, as far as religion, like, I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going back. Like, yeah. that's the thing. Like, I think my parents think that there's like a small sliver of chance that like I could always like return and they hold on to that. But it's just one of those things that like, I know I've exited. I know that yeah, you're done. I've had the veil taken off to the point that like, like I'd I'd be ignoring the fact that the sky is blue. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. I'd just be lying to myself. Um, and the that's not worth it. Has shifted quite a bit. It's too much, and it's like if I ever have kids, I never want to raise them in that because I want them to, I want them to have the, I want them to choose. Mm. You know, and like I mean, like obviously, like if it's like, you know, Easter and grandparents want to take them to like church for, you know whatever like yeah. they can do that but it's like i don't i don't want to expose my children to the jehovah's witnesses and yeah. i probably like won't even tell them about me being raised in it until they're old enough to actually understand it it's it's something that i don't want to bring around it's not something i'm going to encourage yeah but i'm also never going to discourage religion if that's what you know if that's what someone needs that's what someone needs yeah. like if you need that higher power by all means you know if that's yeah. what helps you if that's your drive to get up in the morning who am i to take that away from you you know and, mm-hmm. and that's honestly the way i see it mm-hmm. 
Well, Frank, man, we've, we've been, we've been talking about uh, a couple hours now, a little over two hours now. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I know, bro. That follows by. We just talk, and it, it's funny, because every time I've had these type of conversations with people, we, we, we're talking about, oh, my gosh, we're at an hour and a half. Oh, my gosh, we're at two hours. I've had a three and a half hour conversation with somebody about like this. Damn. Yeah, it's, it's cool, because, like, it's just, it's fun. And it like, blows. Just, just talking, man. This is, this is freaking real life you and, know and religion's one of those things that everyone has like a, a little bit of sand and sand like and, a little bit. It, but also nobody wants to talk about oh yeah that's no. another thing mm-hmm. you start talking about religion it's an automatic hot button to- topic that nobody has the context to have a healthy conversation with right you know and mm-hmm. i i, I want to change that oh, okay. I, I just want to know where people are coming from and it's not even like a two a lot of people see it as like, well, if I talk about it then, and they disagree, they're going to try and convert me. Yeah. And, and that's and, why I, that's why I didn't want to do it earlier. I was just telling you my perspective on things earlier, mm-hmm. you know, about oh, just, yeah, yeah. all that stuff and how expectation is. It's just crazy how expectation and religion are so coincided or coincided. Is that a word? Coincide? She's over here. Like, coincided. She's over here, like stretching. She's working her pelvic bowl. <laughs> she's stretching. I guess we have been speaking a long time. <laughs> Gotta do some yoga. That chair looks uncomfortable. It does. I offered to get you a different chair. All right, Frank. Any last words? Um, honestly, like if anyone does like have questions, the XJW subreddit. I can't. I can't suggest that enough. It's EXJW. Mm. Um, it's just so many people with so many questions, or people with answers, or or even experiences of how they left or why they're leaving. Um. It, it, it really helped me a lot. It was like my own personal therapy without having to go to therapy. Hmm. I was able to talk to a lot of people on it um, and get a lot of support. Hmm. Um, they even like people post like their sources to why they believe what they believe. That isn't Jehovah's Witness related. It's actually like real material you can really? go to the library for. Yeah. Like huh. people help people come like have arguments. So like, it's like, Hey, like I'm 19 and I'm about to tell my parents, I don't believe in this. Like, can I get some help? And like mm. people will help. And so like, I just, that's really all I will, can suggest is if like somebody is thinking about leaving or has questions, like it's a great resource. Hmm. Dude, this has been enlightening. I've, I've always loved talking to you. Uh, I'm just so happy that I can get on recording now. <laughs> <laughs> always fun. Always fun. All right, bro. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you Absolutely. very much. Thanks for having me. All right, bye. Bye.